You're listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the Holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find I'm full of surprises. It's not over yet. No. There is another. Hey there, Star Wars fans. You're listening to episode 41 of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors on Star Wars Episode 7, as well as Star Wars Rebels and Star Wars Comics and all the new and exciting updates that we got from San Diego Comic-Con this past week. So we've got a lot of Star Wars to talk about for you on this episode. I'm your host, Kyle, and as always, I've got my co-host with me, the knee and numb to my Lando Calrissian, Tim Jirasi. <laughs> hey, Kyle, I'm doing fantastic today a lot of great star wars news to talk about and none bigger than we're getting new mr potato head star wars figures coming what? up what can you believe it i can't wait to talk about that and dissect everything we're gonna get with those new figures yeah we're, we're gonna get real deep into some details on that i can't even keep this up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i know there's a few small things more important than Mr. Potato had Star Wars figures, but yeah, we'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah. Some of you may have seen that posted on our Twitter page, but I promise that's the last time we're going to mention it on this episode because we have got some big Episode 7 uh, kind of official-ish news updates, uh, lots of exciting rumors, and then, like I said, tons of stuff from Comic-Con about Star Wars Rebels and some new Star Wars comics and novels and all that good stuff. So uh, let's go ahead and jump right into it. And uh, I think the first thing we have to talk about is something that came out right after we recorded our last episode and before we posted it. Um, but J.J. Abrams posted another video from the set of Star Wars Episode Seven promoting this Star Wars Force for Change program that they're doing, um, which has ended now. But um, it was just sort of for the last week of the campaign. They were trying to get more people to donate. Um, and, of course, we've talked about this before, but it's this uh, program where they're supporting UNICEF and uh some of their charity work to try to um, improve the improve the lives of uh, impoverished kids around the world. Um, but, you know, of course, you, you donate and get at different levels, you get different rewards and ultimately can get entered for a chance or multiple chances to appear in Star Wars Episode 7. Um, but in the last video JJ posted, that was um, kind of when we got our first glimpse of the Episode 7 set and we saw that little... Um, I don't know what we would call him. I don't know if the fans have given this guy a name yet. But, you know, it was that the first glimpse we got at that alien creature that kind of looked like a turtle ostrich kind of thing. And everybody got all excited, like, oh, they're using, you know, physical cops, costumes and props and stuff for the aliens. Um, and now in this video, we got our first official look at the new X-Wing for Star Wars Episode Seven, um, And we had seen a uh, just sort of a completely gray version of it in some of those first uh, leaked photos that we saw from TMZ. Um, but this one was like fully painted and detailed and everything um, and was pretty cool to see. I mean, Tim, would you what was sort of your initial reaction to the, the new look of this X-Wing? Yeah, first off, I was actually surprised we got another video from J.J. Abrams about Force for Change. I kind of just always thought, we're just going to get that one video, and then that'll be it. But this was a welcome surprise. I mean, hopefully we'll get more. <laughs> Even Maybe when they announce the winner and all that, we'll get 
a little sneak peeks into more either costumes and vehicles. I'm hoping maybe the next one we'll get to see the new Stormtrooper armor. Wait, maybe he just walks by in the background, turns his head, and then just walks away. <laughs> but I just love seeing these cool little uh, sneak peeks into what we can expect for Episode 7. And I, I love how the X-Wing looks. It's kind of, we were talking about it when those uh, set photos leaked out a few weeks ago or a few months ago now, I think. But uh, I'm just loving how the new design of it looks. And it might be a small thing to some people, but for me, I think having the blue paint trim on there instead of kind of we're used to more of the red, I think since blue being my favorite color, blue lightsabers and all that, <laughs> seeing the blue trim on the X-Wing, I think makes it look even cooler. And so then seeing the Rebel uh, pilot walk up to it was a nice touch. And I guess uh, they haven't upgraded their flight suits <laughs> too much since Return of the Jedi. It's pretty much the standard Rebel pilot uh, flight suit we've known and loved from the original trilogy, so that was cool. And then, for good measure, before it's over, we get a little mouse droid. So <laughs> just tons of little neat things like that made this another cool video to see. So, yeah, it was a welcome surprise for me, and I just hope we get more. Yeah, well, you know what? Um, after I watched it a couple of times, yeah, like you said, there's that rebel pilot that walks by, and JJ is kind of standing right in front of like the ladder that they used to climb up into the ship, and so the rebel pilot's kind of like, oh, excuse me, and you know, JJ lets him by, and he climbs up into the ship and takes off. But um, I backed it up and watched just that part to, like you said, look for the suit and see if it was any different. Um, and it didn't really look a whole lot different from the Rebel flight suits that you know we've seen in the original trilogy. But uh, a couple changes I did notice. Um, it did look a little bit darker orange, almost like a, a red orange instead of like the bright orange that we've seen in the other ones. And also, I think it is a new helmet design. Um, you can't really tell because the guy never really faces the camera, but it did look like there was some new kind of either visor or shield kind of thing like on the on the forehead that kind of sticks out a little bit um, that made it look different from, uh, you know, the, the original trilogy pilot helmets that we're familiar with. So that was cool, too. But then, of course, with the design of the X-Wing itself, I mean, like we mentioned before, it's kind of, you know, a, a smaller, sleeker design. A lot of people were speculating that this might be a Z95 headhunter, but uh, the original, or the official Star Wars Twitter account, um, you know, they, they sort of specified that this is indeed a new X-Wing design and it's not a different kind of ship. But it looks, it's closer to, uh, like, Ralph McQuarrie's original concept art for the X-Wing, where instead of having, like, a separate engine on the top and the bottom, it's sort of like two semicircle engines on each wing, and then they come together to just make one round one when the wings are closed. Um, and also something that I noticed just from sort of, you know, looking real close at some of the details and stuff on it, it looks like, and Tim, I don't know if you looked closely at this and if you noticed it or not, but it looked to me like the, those wings are going to split across the top um, instead of, you know, I mean, it's kind of hard to explain, but I mean, if you think about it with the original trilogy X-Wing, if you think of it like the two wings just sort of lay flat on top of each other, I think yeah. in this new one, they lay side by side, sort of one behind the other. Um, because if you look at the wing tips, you can see, you know, the wing, like one, there, you've got the two laser cannons, the one on the top and the bottom, and part of the wing curves up and part of it curves down, um, you know, attaching to each cannon. So I think it's like one curves down and that's going to be the bottom wing, one curves up, that's going to be the top wing. And there is a sort of a line going across the top that looks kind of like a seam or something. So I think they're going to kind of do, you know, a new spin on it. And instead of having just the two wings on top of each other fold up, it's going to be, you know, these two that are parallel to each other and then sort of split sideways. And then maybe they'll move in and, you know, lock so that they're 
um, lined up, or maybe you'll, you'll just have like one wing slightly ahead of the other. But either way, I mean, just looking at this, and you can tell from me just talking and analyzing it like this, like I'm super excited to see new ship designs and new X wings and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I also love too how uh, this from a how the video was produced or directed. This how it started like a zoomed in shot of JJ Abrams. You see him sitting standing next to the ship, and then it slowly pans out, and you get more of a wide shot to reveal more and more of the new X wing. It was really cool how it slowly built up to you get them see the whole ship in full view in the frame. So just from a direct uh, like a directional standpoint, they did a cool job of slowly revealing it too. And I think you might be right of how the, it might be a little different than what we're used to the standard X wing because. You would think just to not just be a carbon copy of what we saw in the original trilogy and that it's 30 years later, they may do some tweaks and like tinker with it a little bit to make it more advanced or whatever. So I think we probably will see some like new stuff about it where, like you said, how the wings separate and all that. So I don't know. It's just a cool review and hopefully we'll see more of it when we get a trailer or <laughs> some more info comes out for it. But it should be cool to just see the X-Wing back again was just really awesome. It was my favorite Star Wars ship and just to see a new design of it, just, but still having the classic look was just awesome. And I think since now we were talking about this is our second video and who knows if we'll get more. I was just thinking, how cool would it be where they announce the actual winner who gets to go on the set? We get like Mark Hamill come out in the video in costume or Harrison Ford or Carrie Fisher. Just one of the classic trilogy actors announcing the winner. Like, how cool would that be where that's our first look at him? <laughs> so, like, my mind kind of went crazy what other stuff they could do with these Force for Chain video updates and how many they're actually going to deal with. They could do so many cool stuff if they wanted to. Yeah, well, and because the campaign is now over, at least this first part of it, I mean, I don't know if they have other plans, you know, other Force for Change initiatives that they're going to um, you know, announce further down the line, but at least for this campaign that they were doing over the summer and, you know, with the chance to be in episode seven and all that, that's over now. But I think I remember reading maybe on Facebook or on the Star Wars Twitter page or something, um, they said that the winner would be announced, I want to say August 11th. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't expect a whole bunch more of these videos um, because, you know, they don't really have a whole lot else to talk about because the thing's over now. But yeah, if they're going to, like maybe when they announce the winner, I could see them um, maybe doing something like that. Um, although I'm, I'm kind of curious as to, you know, are they going to make it that public? Cause obviously the person who wins this thing is going to get a huge amount of attention online and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe they could announce it in another video or, you know, maybe they'll just make a video saying like the winner has now been chosen and thank you guys for participating. And we raised this much money and you guys are awesome and blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, they just do a final thank you video or something like that. Yeah, possibly. And get all the characters in there in costume to say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> that would definitely be uh, awesome to see. I won't get my hopes up, but you know, yeah. maybe, maybe we'll get an actual character in costume next time instead of just a rebel pilot extra. Yeah, I'm actually hoping if we're gonna get like something minor, I'm like I said before, I'm hoping we get a, the new stormtrooper uh, costume out there that. That'd be just so awesome to see for me. Yeah, that could be pretty cool too. Um, and then, I mean, aside from that, we've had a lot of new rumors coming out. Um, the biggest one, and this also came out around the same time, like right after we recorded our last episode. Um, and this has got a lot of people talking, and I've heard a lot of different opinions on this, but there's this rumor that the opening shot of episode seven is going to be, you know, it'll start with the, the classic title crawl and everything. And then it's going to pan down to a shot of Luke's hand holding his lightsaber. And it's going to be, you know, the severed hand that Darth Vader cut off. And then, 
it's going to you know, crash down to a planet and John Boyega's character is going to find this disembodied hand clutching a lightsaber and then he's going to go on this quest to try to find out who it belonged to and return it to Luke and that's going to be the whole premise of the movie. Um, and I don't know. Tim, I'll let you go first. What do you think about this? Yeah, when I first saw this, I was like, what? No way. This ain't going to be the opening. <laughs> and I still think that way. I really believe there's no way, no chance that after the opening crawl goes up, it pans down, and the first thing we see is a severed hand floating in space. <laughs> it's just not going to start that way. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'll be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm not. And I'll be happy to admit them, <laughs> that I was wrong, but I just truly believe that no way that's happening. But on the other hand... <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> I believe that some of the stuff we may see in the movie as far as John Boyega's character discovering Luke's lightsaber, and that's kind of going to be the MacGuffin of the movie, if you will. That's going to set them out on their journey where they encounter Han and they – or Han. I went George Lucas on there and called him Han. He <laughs> <laughs> went Lando. Yeah. There's still a chance to save Han. <laughs> it's all goes brawl just in hand mode. We're saying hand, hand. <laughs> but so I can see that stuff playing out where that could be the basic premise of episode seven. Maybe it's not going to be the full plot of the movie, but a portion of it will be them trying to find Luke Skywalker and just what happened to him. Because I believe what it was is that he's in some battle and it's actually his robotic hand that gets severed off and then that's what floats down into space and i've seen there's been a lot of debate i saw on twitter and online of saying how like scientifically accurate is that where a hand can go into the planet's atmosphere and still be intact and all that but see i could care less about that it's star wars it's a fantasy story (laughs) that's set in a universe that never doesn't exist so i could care less about that i just think from a story and visual standpoint just not not how I think you're going to start a movie that way with a severed hand floating in space. It's just, I don't know, I just don't see it. And I don't think we are going to see it. But there's, like I said, there's some stuff I think could be valid in this report. It's mainly about them searching for Luke Skywalker. And we this isn't the first time we heard that rumor. So that kind of makes me think maybe it's the story aspect of the search for Luke is going to be accurate. It's just the question is how much. Is that going to be the main thrust of the movie? Or that's pretty much what's going to do for the whole uh, two hours that we're... I'm uh, going to be seeing, but which I kind of hope it's not because I said this before where I'm kind of worried if the whole premise is them searching for Luke, that means we're not going to see too much of him. And I want to see as much as Luke <laughs> as we can in episode seven. So I'm um, still a lot more speculation and stuff, but I think on one hand, we could see some of the stuff pan out. But when it comes to that severed hand opening the movie, I think there's no chance we're going to see that. Yeah. Well, I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head right there because I agree with you pretty much 100%. Like when I first heard this, I was like, what? That is dumb. And yeah, I mean, like you said, people were started arguing about like, oh yeah, well a hand with a lightsaber burning, you know, going through a planet's atmosphere would burn up and disintegrate and there'd be nothing left to find of it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, on the one hand, I agree with that. Like it wouldn't make sense, but also it's just a dumb idea in the first place. Like, you know, Star Wars movies always start with, that title crawl and then it pans down to a shot of a planet or a starship or something like that, or a death star. And instead it's like, no, it's just going to be a hand floating in space. That would be pretty odd. But then also, like you said, the one part of this rumor that I did like is I was thinking, okay, well, hopefully there's not a floating severed hand floating through space involved with this. But if the 
plot does somehow involve, you know, John Boyega finding Luke's lightsaber. Um, that could be pretty cool. And I've heard different versions of this where um, I think the initial rumor, they said it was the same hand that Darth Vader cut off in Empire Strikes Back. And there were other reports saying like, oh, it's the robotic hand or it's his other hand or, you know, it's something that happened afterwards and he disappeared in some battle or something after getting his hand cut off or whatever. Um, but I do think it would be just from a story standpoint, I think it would be more interesting if it was his, uh, if it was his lightsaber from Return of the Jedi, you know, it was yeah. the newer, the green lightsaber, because then that suddenly creates uh, an image of, or, you know, a question of like, oh crap, like that's Luke's lightsaber. Now where's Luke? Cause last time we saw him, he had that lightsaber. I'm like, what happened to him? If we see the, the lightsaber that, you know, Vader took from him, the one, you know, when he cut his hand off, if we see that one floating through space, it's like, okay, well, yeah, somebody could find that and think like, oh, it's a Jedi lightsaber. Like, who does it belong to? And what happened to the Jedi and blah, blah, blah. But I don't think that engages us as the audience all that much because it's like, okay, we've seen, you know, we, we saw him lose that lightsaber and lose his hand. And then he got another lightsaber and defeated the bad guys with it. So why are we going back to the old one? Like that doesn't carry as much weight anymore. Um, so I don't know. I mean, we'll see how it all pans out. Like you said, I'm not putting a whole lot of faith in this either. Um, although there was an update to this rumor that came out a few days later um, and this was, you know, someone else on another website saying, oh, I've got my own sources saying this and blah, blah, blah. Um, and of course, this goes without saying, you know, kind of spoiler alert for anyone who's completely trying to avoid any sort of rumors or possible plot details. But then again, if you're one of those people, you're probably not listening to this podcast in the first place because that's what we talk about. Um, but, um, th you know, th this other person, this was... Uh, Billy Donnelly at uh, thisisinfamous.com, and he said, um, you know, according to his sources, that episode seven is going to start with the title crawl, that we won't actually see a floating hand through space, but it will be Luke's lightsaber that he lost in Cloud City, and it'll just be the lightsaber floating through space, and then it'll land in a desert on a planet that will not be Tatooine, he says, um, and then it'll be found by John Boyega's character, and then he'll team up with, you know, Daisy Ridley and Han Solo, and they're going to go looking for Luke and some other stuff. So, um, yeah, like we, this, this kind of goes along with what both of us were saying that, uh, you know, we don't want to see a floating hand, but, uh, the idea of someone finding Luke's lightsaber and going off in search of him could be kind of interesting, but just because we've heard like two different rumors on this, um, in my mind, that sort of gives it maybe a little bit more credibility because it's like, okay, well, it's not just one person saying, though I've heard blah, 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 because, you know, people can make up whatever. But, I mean, once it's come from two sources, I'm like, okay, maybe there's a little bit of something to this, but I'm still not putting a whole lot of stock in it because, I mean, at this point, you know, it's still kind of early, and you never know what sources these people are hearing information from. It could be totally false. It could be something that sort of got passed down the grapevine and people misinterpreting things or hearing things wrong or taking wild guesses and... um you know, nothing real concrete to go on here, but, um, you know, certainly interesting to think about. And, uh, but yeah, I know a lot of people have sort of been just trashing this rumor and being like, Oh, floating hand. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But then again, I've also heard some people who aren't happy with it, but they're almost taking it like it's fact. You know, they're like, Oh, JJ Abrams, you're so dumb. And in fact, I, I was reading about this on IGN and somebody commented on it and they were like, 
J.J. Abrams, you're so dumb. Like, a floating hand, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. I was like, sorry, but you're kind of dumb if you're just assuming <laughs> that this is true. And it's like, J.D. is not the dumb one because he wouldn't do something like this. Um, but, you know, we'll just have to wait and see how how this pans out. And I'm I'm very interested to see, like, when we finally see the movie, how many of these rumors have any sort of truth to them whatsoever. Because I'm sure, like, honestly, I don't think any rumors that we've heard so far have you know, completely nailed down any specific details of episode seven. I I'm almost positive that all of these are false in some way or they're off a little bit. But I mean, when we see the movie, we might find that like all these rumors were completely false and, you know, we have no idea what's coming in the story and it's something completely new that surprises everybody. Or it could be like, Oh, okay. Well, I can kind of see where they got that rumor from. Cause this is kind of like that, but they did it a little bit differently. So it'll be interesting to see when it's all said and done, but for now it's just more fun speculation and following all these rumors. Yeah. Like you said, it could be somewhere when we see the movie, we'll, see aspects of like these rumors and stories be in there but it just plays out differently so, like maybe we'll see luke's lightsaber be like the thing that draws john boyega and daisy ridley's character to meet with han solo and go on the search for luke's for search for luke but maybe it turns out we don't even see uh, the like a lightsaber or the floating hand go crash down on the planet maybe john boyega comes in contact with daisy ridley and he discovers she had his lightsaber for a while for a while he's all like do you know what you have here do you know who this is and that sets him off on some adventure for them to find out that where luke's location and where he's been at all these years so there's different ways they can go about it where maybe the search for luke is going to be the thrust but what triggers it and how they have that lightsaber if that's even true so all of these things can be different but maybe ends up to one of the like the central plots of the movies that we're hearing about with this rumor of being on for the search for loot. So certain things can all of this be told in a different way, but when we're seeing it, we go, oh, so there was an aspect of that rumor we heard two years ago or whatever. So you just never know. But I, I will say this, and you were mentioning this about this in this other report about the rumor, how you're saying it lands on another desert planet that's not Tatooine. I'm sorry, that's another thing I totally don't believe. <laughs> if they're on a desert, it's going to be Tatooine. Because that is almost the home of Star Wars. And if you're going to create a brand new planet, have it almost look exactly the same as Tatooine, why would you waste a new planet having it look exactly like one that's already been established? So that's another thing when I heard it was like, uh, I don't know about that either. Because if they're on a desert, it, it's got to be Tatooine because that's just Star Wars to me. <laughs> yeah, and especially from what we've seen from the leaked set photos. Yeah. I mean, I could see them maybe doing a different desert planet that looks a little bit different. Um, I mean, like, uh, I'll plug my own film here a little bit. When I was shooting my fan film, um, I set it on a different planet than Tatooine and I live in Arizona. So there's a lot of desert out here, but the location where we filmed it, it's kind of in this Canyon, but it's got a lot of like bushes and trees and rocks and, you know, sort of rock formations and stuff like that. And it's not just flat sand everywhere. Um, and I know, you know, and on Tatooine, they've got, uh, you know, some canyons and stuff too, but you don't see a whole lot of green on Tatooine. And in my movie, there's like some trees and you see cacti in the background and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, if they did something like that, where it's like, yeah, technically it's a desert, but a, a totally different kind of desert than, you know, just sand everywhere. I could maybe see that happening, but from the pictures we've seen so far, it's, you know, that uh, that marketplace or whatever that they were shooting at that we saw in the first Force for Change video and that we saw in the leaked photos. Like, that definitely looks like Tatooine. Um, now, you know, maybe they're going to be on two different desert planets. Maybe they'll have one that looks different and then they'll go to Tatooine at some point. But, yeah, like you said, I think 
if there's going to be a desert planet in the movie, it's most likely just going to be Tatooine because, I mean, that's something that is a uh, a common theme in most of the Star Wars movies. Because I think what Empire Strikes Back is the only Star Wars movie where nobody goes to Tatooine at all. Yep, it's the only so, one. So, yeah, I, I would think, uh, you know, especially with the way that they're trying to sort of evoke the, the classic Star Wars in this and sort of, um, take it back to the feeling of the original trilogy and the, the visual style and all that. I'm sure we're going to see Tatooine at some point. Yeah, we just have to. Especially <laughs> like you, all the points you just mentioned. All the set stuff we saw looks too much like Tatooine for it not to be. Yeah. Now, um, another rumor we've got here um, revolves around Gwendolyn Christie's character. And uh, this is an interesting one. It's talking about... Uh, they think she's going to be a, a villain and an Imperial officer. And we've heard rumors before that John Boyega is going to be playing like a former Imperial or a former stormtrooper who either at the beginning of the movie or some point before the movie, like deserts the empire. Um, and now they're saying that Gwendolyn Christie is going to be playing his, uh, his commanding officer who is sort of hunting him throughout the movie and, uh, you know, is mad about him deserting and either wants to get him to rejoin or wants to kill him or whatever. Um, but then they also, this is actually, um, who's this person, Devin Farachi, who, uh, wrote this report. And this is just sort of his own speculation that he throws in here saying that, um, he also heard a report or a rumor or something earlier that there was a male role in the movie that was rewritten as a female part. And he thinks that Gwendolyn Christie's, uh, role actually was one that uh, we were originally hearing rumors about Benedict Cumberbatch for, um, and that you know Cumberbatch was supposed to play a villain and was going to be an Imperial officer, and now that's Gwendolyn Christie's character and all this kind of stuff. So again, just more speculation and stuff here, but something interesting to think about. I think she would definitely be a pretty cool villain. And by the way, if anyone still remembers way back when, when I uh, kind of jumped the gun and predicted that she was going to be playing Mara Jade, and I was like so sure about it... Um, <laughs> I will admit I, I did I sort of had a, a little bit of a lack of research going on there because for some reason, maybe like the, the first picture I saw of her, I thought she was a little bit older than she was. I thought she might have been like 40 or 50, and I was like, oh, she could be – you know, she looks like she's a, a good age to be playing Luke's love interest or something. And so I went and did some research. Not only is she like in her mid-30s, she's also like six foot three. So I was like, okay, yeah, I don't know about a love interest for Luke, but – six foot three she could definitely make either an intimidating villain or a really cool like jedi warrior or something like that so not that i'm trying to typecast tall people because i'm tall and you know they could have her play a, a jawa if they really wanted to but um you know i'm assuming that it'll be some kind of cool physical role especially because from what i've heard she also plays like a warrior type character on game of thrones and so um you know it should be interesting to see uh, what they end up doing with her in episode seven See, now you want me to – I really want to see a six-foot-tall Jawa now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've joked about that with friends before, um, you know, friends who are, like, shorter than me. I'm like, oh, we should go to, you know, Comic-Con or something one year and, like, I'll dress up as an Ewok and you dress as a Wookiee or something like that. <laughs> there is that, like, tall Jawa in A New Hope when they're bringing out the droids. There is one that's taller than the others, but not quite six foot, not six feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But – um I did like the idea of this rumor for being like John Boyega's commanding officer and she's out looking for him. And another thing that I like was another detail in this rumor was that they were saying that Gwendolyn Christie has been training with a lightsaber. So 
maybe we could see like an Imperial officer who had the lightsaber. And that just kind of got me thinking about the early Ralph McQuarrie designs where we, he had stormtroopers with lightsabers. I always liked that look. So that kind of got me thinking, Oh, that'd be cool to see like someone, someone in the empire having a lightsaber would be pretty cool. So I don't know, I'm kind of hoping this one ends up panning out. Cause I think it could surface some pretty cool stuff with her character and just visually too, if she has that lightsaber. Yeah. And as far as her hunting him, I mean, I think it would seem kind of a little weird if, and, you know, we don't even really know what sort of the villains of this movie are going to be and, you know, how big of a presence the Empire is going to have and if it is really going to be like a full-fledged Empire still or an Imperial Remnant or whatever. But, I mean, regardless, it would seem kind of weird if she just kind of goes off on her own and is, you know, hunting one guy who deserted when she's still got, you know, more troops to command and stuff. But I could certainly see, you know, some sort of confrontation where the the rebels or the republic or whatever the good guys are going to be in this movie they end up fighting the empire and then uh you know the the officer there who's in charge of the empire it's like that would add a little more weight to the conflict if there's some you know some personal history there between her and john boyega as well so um you know again should be pretty cool to see uh what that ends up being and this is one of those rumors that does sound kind of plausible um, and at this point, you know, I don't know if I'm putting a whole lot of stock in it being true just because we haven't heard anything officially yet. And this is just one report, but I'm like, this is definitely something I could see happening and certainly would be cool to see if it was true. Yeah. Same here. So out of just in the hand rumor, <laughs> this is the one I really want to see play out. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. I totally agree with you there. And then, um, we've gotten a couple reports that, Episode 7 is, uh, they're currently doing some location filming on this island off of Ireland called Skellig Michael. Uh, when I first saw that name, I thought it was like an Irish actor who had been cast in the movie. And then it was like, <laughs> oh, okay. Apparently in Ireland, islands have last names. Um, but they're getting ready to film there. Not a whole lot to talk about on that front. I mean, there have been some pictures from uh you know people trying to take pictures of the the set and the cast and everything but and there's there's no pictures of like a an actual set or people in costume or anything it's just you know some production vehicles and some faraway shots of luke skywalker or luke skywalker mark hamill and uh jj abrams getting off of a helicopter and you know some production crew on boats going over to the island so nothing real exciting there and for people that want to follow like every detail of the production and know what they're up to it's like well here you go um, I guess if anything, the, the thing that's interesting to think about is like, well, what could they be using this island for? I mean, in some of these pictures, it looks like it's just this giant mountain, um, you know, sticking up out of the water and it's, uh, you know, got like grass and trees and stuff on it. So um, I guess my first thought was like, this could be someplace on Yavin, but I don't know if they would, I don't know if they're filming just on the island or if like the fact that it actually is an island is going to be part of the movie you know what i mean so like it could just yeah. be some grassy location with trees or we could actually see in the movie like luke on this island or something i'm kind of um, hoping it is uh, like an island is the setting for the actual movie because that's kind of got, got me excited when i saw these images because I, I like the location and the setting of the place so i'm hoping like for the story of the movie and whatever planet it's going to be it is an island that they're going to be on because it's something different that we really haven't seen in a star wars movie before and lightsabers in the on an island in a jungle maybe that could be pretty cool <laughs> yeah yeah that would be pretty awesome um in fact i think the only th island reference we've had so far in star wars is padme when she's like we used to swim to that island every day and then anakin's like i don't like sand yeah. 
So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it looks like a pretty cool location. And especially with some of the rumors we've heard that Luke has gone missing and that, you know, sort of the plot of the movie revolves around the other characters going to look for him. Maybe this could be his, you know, island of solitude or something like that. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it looks like a pretty cool location. But aside from that, like we said, not really much to talk about at this point, um, except for the fact that they are indeed filming there. So, um, yeah, it should be pretty cool to see what they end up doing with that in the movie. And, uh, you know, we'll see the final footage and see uh, what Luke's doing on this island. But until then, you know, this isn't uh, anything terribly exciting. There's not anything we can really dig into too much. So then another small thing we've got to mention real quick, um, Ryan Johnson, who has been, you know, rumored slash sort of unofficially confirmed to be uh, directing Star Wars episodes eight and nine. Um, and that still hasn't been confirmed by Lucasfilm, but I think everybody is pretty much accepting that as fact at this point. Um, he talked about that a little bit on uh, this film podcast called Film Spotting. They taped a live episode um, over this past weekend. It was actually during Comic-Con, but this was something totally different. It wasn't part of Comic-Con, but um, he joined in through Skype to you know talk with the hosts of the hosts of this podcast um, and just basically was really excited about the fact that he gets to uh, be involved in Star Wars. And he talked about like, this was the first, the original Star Wars was the first movie that his dad took him to see as a kid. And so he's just, um, you know, really glad to be, involved um and you know being able to direct star wars movies and he said he even thinks that there's something beautiful about the prequels so he's not one of those people that like hates the star wars prequels and so um you know again not really any new information here he didn't say like who's going to be in it or what's it what it's going to be about or anything like that but um just more uh confirmation i guess that all these new people that are directing new star wars movies and sort of being involved with this next phase of the star wars universe that uh, this is just another person who's really excited to be a part of it who grew up with it and loved it and so i think at this point at least i'm not really too worried about episodes eight and nine because you know we got to get through episode seven first and i'm just hoping that one's good but once we get to that point it's good to know that those movies are also going to be in the hands of a talented director who also is a really big star wars fan yeah, again, it's just always good to hear the enthusiasm these new directors are having for it. And Ryan Johnson just sounds like he's a cool, laid-back guy who's going to have a fun time with it. The, the line that made me laugh during this interview where he's like, almost couldn't believe he got the gig where he's saying, I can only assume it was like clerical error, and there's somewhere, there's a Brian Johnson out there who's really mad at me. <laughs> this hour of fun time with it, I still can't believe he gets to work in the Star Wars universe pretty soon. So, yeah, all we're waiting on is just an official announcement from Lucasfilm about this because he's talking about it and clearly he's excited. So we just got to be probably wait and see as we get closer to Episode 7's release. Maybe when we'll hear the official announcement for it. But until then, as I mean, I'm pretty much taking it as fact, too, if he's talking about it kind of openly but not giving any details. So you know he's involved with it somehow. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, last couple of things to talk about with Episode 7 um, first of all, Mark Hamill did an interview recently with the BBC, um, and this was at the London premiere for Guardians of the Galaxy, but, uh, you know, he was there on the red carpet, and, of course, they asked him about Episode 7, and this was a pretty cool interview. Um, you know, he still didn't really talk a lot about the, the specifics of the movie and the plot and anything like that, but, um, you know, just talked about how excited he is to be back working on it and, um, 
you know, be on set again with uh, Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher and be making more Star Wars. And he, he sounded pretty excited to be back in England, too, because, uh, you know, that's where they've I think they filmed every Star Wars movie so far there, um, at least as far as, you know, the sound stages and stuff like that. And he said his son was born there when they were filming Empire Strikes Back. So um, he's glad to be back in England and then just you know, had lots of good stuff to say about the the new cast. And he said, you know, there's people like Andy Serkis that I already know and, uh, you know, respect as an actor. And then there's people like Daisy Ridley who I've never heard of before, but they're all just really good. And, um, you know, so, I mean, that's just great to hear that the guy playing Luke freaking Skywalker is like really impressed by the acting of all the other actors in the movie. And, uh, you know, and then he's talking about just like the sets and, uh, you know, just being back involved in the movie and just being sort of surrounded by the whole Star Wars experience again. He genuinely sounds like really excited to be a part of it. Um, and, you know, of course, the the guy interviewing him sort of made it sound like, oh, yeah, you're the main character. Like, you're back playing Luke Skywalker, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, well, you know, it's more about the new kids this time. And we're just here to give our support and grow contractually obligated beards, uh, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. And he's got a, a pretty good beard going on in the interview, too. So um, I thought that was really fun to see. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, it's always great to hear Mark Hamill talk about Star Wars, but I mean, who would ever think we hear Mark Hamill talk about a new Star Wars movie that he's in? I mean, it's just cool hearing him talk about that. That's almost that sense where it's one of those things where you can't believe it's still happening. We're going to see Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker in a new Star Wars movie. Just so cool to hear him talk about it. And then, like we said, how we said we have to grow, uh, we're contracted to grow these beards. He definitely let his beard come in nice and full because I remember in the video from his appearance at Star Wars Weekends, he was having a hard time with it. Like, oh, this is all I can grow so far. I need to get it more thicker and fuller. And it's definitely thicker and fuller in this video. And his hair is longer too. And he's getting that Jedi vibe with it, the more Obi Wan look, but a little more uh, rugged, I would say, than that. And when I saw him, it just made me think to the, again, the rumors we're hearing about maybe he's been missing for 30 years and he's no one knows where he's at. He kind of had that look where maybe he could have been on a remote planet with not much and he's letting his beard and hair grow out longer than, and it's not as clean and tidy as it would be. So it just made me think of that rumor. Maybe that's the look he's going for. Or maybe if it's going to add some validity to that rumor we've been hearing. So who knows? Just the thoughts that ran through my head. But nonetheless, it's just cool to see and hear Mark Hamill talk about a new Star Wars movie and Luke Skywalker again. Just got you more pumped up for it. The little he uh, touched on it, even though he didn't reveal anything, still enough to get me pumped and hyped for it. Yeah, definitely. Um, And then the last thing is that uh, this actually just came out today on uh, nydailynews.com. They have a picture of Harrison Ford um, walking without his, you know, uh, cast or leg brace or that little scooter crutch thing he was scooting around on before. Um, <laughs> he just has like a, a bandage wrapped around the lower part of his ankle. So, um, it looks like he is on the mend and close to being able to, to go back to work on star Wars. He can walk on his own two feet again. So that was really good to see. Yeah, definitely. It was like when I first saw this off. Oh cool like he's out of that because that was a pretty uh nifty leg crutch or brace that he had on for a while something where it made you look like man it was something really like serious because you don't see too much of that but now that it's already off and it looks like he's walking without any uh brace or crutches or anything so just good and reassuring to see that looks like his recovery is on pace for him to hopefully get back to shooting and who knows if it's gonna we know it's not gonna be extensive like action stuff so a long way to go for that but Definitely making the right progress, so it was definitely good to see. Yeah, definitely, especially because, I mean, from what we've heard, 
they said that in like the middle of August, they would sort of take a break from filming and reshuffle the schedule around a little bit. Um, and it doesn't even seem like it's been that long since his injury. In fact, in this article, they say like it hasn't even been a full six weeks since it happened. Um, it was back on June 12th. And so it's like if he's you know done this well in like the five or six weeks since then, um, and they've still got you know probably another two or three weeks before he has to get back to filming, I'm sure he should be in pretty good shape. Yeah, and like a lot of people are saying, even Mark Hamill said in the video when the BBC we were talking about how, yeah, don't count out Harrison Ford. Like he's gonna come back better than ever. Like, and he looks like he's already proving that being out of that leg brace already. Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, in that interview, they asked Mark Hamill if he was on set and if he saw uh, that injury, and he was like, "No, I wasn't actually there for it, but I heard about it, and it sounded pretty bad." But now I hear like he's doing really well and recovering quickly. So you know, it'll take more than that to stop Harrison Ford. Yeah, it looks like he's definitely living up to that <laughs> reputation. He's proving that yeah, this isn't going to slow him down at all. Maybe a little bit, but <laughs> not going to hold up production as long as I think we all feared, which we talked about last time. So just more reassuring on that front that everything is going according to plan, as Palpatine would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, that wraps up the Episode 7 discussion for this episode. Now let's get to the big stuff. Um, and of course, you know, normally episode seven would be the big stuff, but, um, you know, because of Comic-Con and all the stuff that we had coming out of there, we've got a lot of Star Wars Rebels to talk about, plus some other things. Um, but I mean, even before we get into the Comic-Con stuff, the, uh, just the week before, or like during the week before Comic-Con on, uh, I guess this was like the Tuesday before and Comic-Con started on a Thursday. So just a couple days before it started, we got a new Star Wars Rebels trailer, and this was um, a longer uh, extended trailer. Like the first one we got that they said was like the first full length trailer it was only like a minute long. And, you know, when we talked about that one, I was like, yeah, it looks good and I'm excited for it. But I still wanted to see more than this. Um, and so we got this new one that was like two and a half minutes long and, uh, you know, got some more stuff. And uh, I, I guess I still wasn't maybe like completely satisfied with it. I was like, I still kind of want to see more and I'm not really getting that much of a, or like that great of a feel for just sort of what the show is going to be like on a week to week basis and sort of what all the stories are going to be about and stuff. But, um, I mean, more good footage in here, you know, more than we got to see in the first one. And, uh, this was the, tra actually, this was the trailer where we f got like our first official confirmation that yes, Obi-Wan will be in the show. Um, not that there was ever really any doubt cause we had seen like a, what was a French trailer or yeah. something before that got leaked where we saw him in there. But I mean, now we've got like our official U.S. trailer where it starts with Ezra watching the hologram of Obi-Wan telling the Jedi like, uh, you know, our order's been destroyed and the Republic has fallen and, it's, you know, it's sort of serious and grim. But at the same time, it was kind of cool to actually see that recording, um, you know, because in uh, episode three, Obi-Wan just tells Yoda like, oh, I've re reprogrammed the beacon to warn all Jedi to stay away. So now we actually see like what his message was and what uh, what he told them. Um, and then, of course, you know, just lots more shots of the crew of the ghost and some really cool Star Wars stuff like TIE fighters and, uh, you know, stormtroopers and all the cool battle kind of stuff going on. Um, I don't know, Tim, anything in this trailer that, uh, that stood out to you before we get to all the, the other good stuff that came later? I'll say about this one. This one came out of the blue, or I think it was around like one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning where I was on the West Coast. It was one of those things where I was about to go to sleep, but then you see on Twitter, new Star Wars Rebels trail. Like, what the? <laughs> like, <laughs> this is an unexpected thing, but it, 
cool nonetheless. I'll be up for a few more hours just watching it and thinking about it. But yeah, the big thing to take away from this for me when I first saw it was just seeing Obi Wan again and hearing James Arnold Taylor voice him and just just the dialogue he says how there will be a new hope at the end of it. Just almost chill inducing as you're watching and hearing him say that. So just a nice added touch to it. So yeah, I was happy about this when it uh, first debuted that week of Comic Con, but. Little did I know would be just the first of many cool things to come that week. <laughs> yeah, and I was surprised. I mean, kind of like you said, except I didn't know, at least I don't remember, but I don't think I saw this at like one or two in the morning when they first posted it. Um, so I wasn't necessarily surprised by the timing of it in that sense, but I was more just surprised that it came out like two days before Comic-Con. And of course, we were looking forward to Comic-Con and the Rebels panel and seeing what new stuff was going to come out of there. So I was expecting a new trailer that week. I just wasn't expecting it two days before Comic-Con. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, like you said, it was kind of out of the blue. Um, but, yeah, it was cool to see. Also, probably my favorite shot of the trailer besides the Obi-Wan thing was we see a Wookiee tossing a Stormtrooper. Um, so I'm pretty excited <laughs> to see that episode when that all plays out. Um, but also, you know, I, I like the just sort of the premise of them bringing Obi-Wan's sort of communication thing into this as uh, sort of the explanation for, like, why there are still Jedi in the galaxy and Kanan and, you know, any other surviving Jedi that they're going to run into in the series. Um, because, you know, with the the Force Unleashed and some of the other EU stuff, I think a lot of fans have just sort of assumed, like, oh, all the Jedi are supposed to be gone and Luke's, you know, Luke and Obi-Wan and Yoda are, like, the last ones by the time of the movies. But it does sort of make sense that... Uh, you know, there's some more Jedi still in hiding. Like, I've always sort of thought about it as like, oh, there were like thousands of Jedi out there. The clones couldn't have killed every single one of them. So I just thought like, for the sake of probability, I was like, oh, there's still got to be at least a few Jedi out there. But I never really thought about Obi-Wan's transmission all that much. And, you know, sort of that being a, a plot point that actually there are some Jedi that were saved by that because that's not really something that they spend a lot of time focusing on in the movies. Like he mentions it and then they jump from that right into, you know, him watching the security hologram of Anakin killing younglings. And like, that's the big sort of poignant moment of that scene. So they don't really put a whole lot of emphasis on the fact that like, Hey, he just saved a bunch of Jedi from getting yeah. killed. And I like that they're tying that in with rebels and that they're, you know, it's got that connection to the movie. Like, Hey, this isn't something that was really focused on all that much in the movie, but it's in there and it makes sense. And because Obi-Wan relayed this message, like now we can have a few Jedi in hiding as characters on Rebels. So I'm excited to see how that plays out now. And suddenly, like once I realized that, I was like, you know, I think I'm more excited to see Jedi in this series because, I mean, Kanan looked like a cool character and I was, you know, excited to see what they did with him. But at the same time, I was like... I mean, how many new stories about Jedi and hiding are they going to come up with um, set in between episodes three and four? Because, like, you know, they're all supposed to be dead. And then we keep seeing more and more stories like, oh, well, this Jedi was still there and this Jedi was still there. Of course, a lot of those aren't canon anymore. But, um, I mean, just the fact that they're tying that in back in with the movies and there's actually, like, some evidence there that supports what they're doing with this, I think that's really cool. Yeah, I agree. I mean, hopefully just this... Like you said, I know we weren't expecting to see too many Jedi characters in Star Wars Rebels, but hopefully, and as we'll see as we talk about the next trailer, in certain parts of the season we'll get ideas or, or stuff told to us of what happened to certain other Jedi and if there's any survivors. And one thing I'm hoping too with uh, the whole thing with the Holocron and Obi-Wan is that it's not just a recording where 
what he did in episode three, and that's all the Jedi heard, and that's all that's there. I'm kind of hoping that that's just part of what's in that holocron, and then maybe as the season goes on and there's certain episodes where Kanan and Ezra will go back to that holocron and get some wisdom from Obi-Wan, and he'll offer advice or just new insight for them to focus on and just have him be a part of the series without Obi-Wan actually being there as a character, but he's there with the holocron. And then maybe maybe a few seasons down the line or even the end of season one, it all builds up to where we actually see the physical presence of Obi-Wan and maybe they go to Tatooine for a reason where they have to seek him out this knowing that he's still alive somehow. So I just think it could lead to some very cool stuff. And this is just the beginning of it. It's just so awesome that Obi-Wan is in the series right now, even though it's, it's, it's a small part, but hopefully it leads to something bigger. It's just so cool to have him be a part of it. Yeah, well, I do remember either at the Rebels Comic-Con panel or maybe in a separate interview with Dave Filoni or Simon Kinberg or somebody like that, they asked, um, you know, how much of Obi-Wan are we going to see in the series? And the only thing they would say is more than you saw in that trailer. So yeah. it was Simon Kinberg and Dave Filoni just kind of laughed like, uh, interesting. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Dave doesn't want to give anything away. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that was cool to see. And then, like I said, I mean, me being a fan of Wookiees, I was like, well, I doubt Disney's going to let them show a, a Stormtrooper ripping a – or a, show a Wookiee ripping a Stormtrooper's arms out of his sockets. But <laughs> this was like the next best thing to just see him chucking the Stormtrooper towards the camera. Um, but, yeah, so that was two days before Comic-Con. And then San Diego Comic-Con rolls around. Um, the first day that on uh, Thursday they had the Star Wars Rebels panel – I couldn't be there for it, obviously, but I was following along with a lot of the, the tweets and updates and stuff from people who were there at the panel. So it was pretty much getting like just about all the information that they revealed there at the panel. But um, I mean, a lot of it was, uh, you know, it sounded fun. It sounded exciting. I think it was the first convention panel that they've done where they had the whole uh, main cast there. Um, you know, aside from the villains like uh, David Oyelowo and Jason Isaacs, I don't think they were there. But, uh, you know, Freddie Prinze Jr. and Vanessa Marshall and Steve Bloom and Taylor Gray and uh, Tia Surkar, they were all there along with Dave Filoni and Simon Kinberg. And, um, you know, talking a lot about the show and the process behind it and, uh, you know, sort of getting into their new characters and all this kind of stuff. It wasn't anything it wasn't a whole lot of new information. Um, a lot of it was stuff we've heard before in terms of like, oh yeah, you're going to see the formation of the rebellion and you're going to see the empire abusing planets and see why a rebellion would want to be started in the first place and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I mean, not, not, and not to say that it wasn't a good panel. I mean, just, uh, you know, hearing some of the quotes and stuff from, uh, the actors and, you know, talking about their characters and stuff. It sounds like it was pretty entertaining and pretty insightful. Just, um, you know, not a lot of big, you know, huge reveals or anything like that. You know, we didn't find out that like Ahsoka or Darth Vader or anything like that was going to be in the show. Although I'm still sure that those guys are going to be in there at some point. Um, because again, you know, somebody asked Dave about Clone Wars characters and, um, he kind of gave his same answer about how, you know, he really wants the, the Rebels show and the characters to be able to stand on their own two feet and doesn't want it to just be sort of based off of Clone Wars or sort of leaning on that. But at the same time, you know, he created Clone Wars characters for Clone Wars that he likes and that the fans likes and that they're still out there. And so, of course, he's going to bring them in at some point. So I'm sure we'll probably see Ahsoka at some point, And I'm definitely sure we'll see Darth Vader. Um, because something else they mentioned is, you know, like the sort of the more 
successful the heroes are, the more the tougher the bad guys get. So, of course, so far all we've seen for season one is the uh, the Inquisitor and Agent Callus. But it's like if they keep going up the ladder and keep beating those bad guys, like you know, Vader's going to show up at some point. But uh, I think the most exciting things about this panel were the new footage and clips and trailers and stuff that they released. And I wasn't sure how much of this we were going to see because obviously they had just released a trailer two days before. So I was like, oh, well, maybe there won't be a new trailer at the panel. But they had, I think, like three preview clips that they showed during the panel. Um, And two of those are up online now. There was one that, uh, I mean, from the descriptions I've heard, it had to do something with Sabine and Hera, like, walking into some abandoned base. In fact, I heard one report that said it was supposed to be, like, a either a Republic or a Separatist base from the Clone Wars era. Um, and it was, like, this old abandoned uh, military base or something, and then there were, like, some creepy creatures in there that they had to get away from. Um, that one's not available yet. But the two clips that are available are... Um, there's one involving Ezra being chased by some stormtroopers and then Zeb comes to rescue him in a stolen TIE fighter. And, uh, I mean, I love that clip and just some of the comedy in there looks like a lot of fun. And then there's a clip with Kanan and, uh, well, Kanan and Ezra, but it's just Kanan who's fighting the Inquisitor in a lightsaber duel that looks really cool. And, you know, let's just talk about these two clips for a second before we go on to the trailer. Cause that's a whole nother can of worms, but um, I mean, Tim, what do you think? Of, well, let's let's talk about just the the Tie Fighter clip first. What do you think of that one? Yeah, that one was funny. You, uh, we'll talk about it later, but it's, it's going to show you kind of what to expect as far as the humor and the dynamics between the characters are going to have, especially Zeb and Ezra. Just some really funny stuff, and just seeing them <laughs> fly through that Tie Fighter. Uh, just as before Ezra can even go in. Zeb like has to make him say like I saved you this time. Won't let him in unless you say it. Like you got to say it first, even though he's being shot at and stormtroopers are chasing him. Just stuff like that that made the comedy funny. And then just seeing them when he actually gets in the Tie Fighter, and that Zeb was trying to fight Zeb to take control of it, and then they just kind of lose control of the Tie Fighter, and then they end up shooting like the marketplace where there's like this Rodian out there. They shoot his like vendor tent up with all his. Uh, stuff he was selling and then just causing a mess. And then I think, uh, I'm trying to remember who said it was on our Twitter feed about this, about how they were saying, well, there's no argument there is that the Rodian didn't shoot first. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was a fun clip. That's just going to show kind of what to expect on the fun and exciting side for Star Wars Rebels, but that's the series is going to have. Yeah, and uh, yeah, then like you said at the end there, they shoot up this fruit stand and get like fruit splattered across the windshield yeah. of the Tie Fighter, and uh, then kind of go spinning off out of control. But uh, yeah, I mean, and just from that one like one minute long clip, you kind of get a sense of the the dynamic the dynamic between these two characters. Like they almost have this kind of friendly rivalry going on. Um, where they're always trying to like you know one up each other and don't like to owe each other favors because I mean I just sort of implied from the dialogue there that Ezra had saved Zeb in some earlier scene and you know Zeb didn't like owing a debt to this kid and so now he comes to save him in the Tie Fighter and he's like if I let you in and I save you like you gotta say we're even and Ezra's like yeah yeah fine and he's like no you gotta say it and he's like okay fine we're even and he you know jumps in. Um, so, you know, I, I thought it was, uh, you know, just a nice bit of sort of banter back and forth between the characters. And then of course you said, it's sort of this wacky, hilarious setting that they're having this banter as Ezra's running along a rooftop, getting chased by stormtroopers and Zeb's just kind of hovering alongside him in a TIE fighter, just kind of taunting. Um, so yeah, that was a great clip. And then the lightsaber duel, 
mean, holy crap, this looked awesome. Um, and I wasn't even expecting a whole lot of lightsaber duels and stuff in this series. I mean, we will get some, obviously, because I knew, you know, we've got a Jedi as the main character and we've got this Inquisitor who has a lightsaber as the main villain. So, of course, we're going to see some lightsaber action at some point. But um, at the same time, I mean, they've talked about how Kanan, like, doesn't like to get his lightsaber out and use it. And he'll, you know, still use a blaster and shoot guys and stuff. So I wasn't sure, like, how much of a focus we were going to have on lightsabers. Um, in this show, but just the the choreography and the action in this clip looks great. But I like the look of the lightsabers a lot more than I thought I would at first, because just sort of the first couple of uh, you know quick shots in some of those interview videos that we saw. I mean, we saw a, a shot of Kanan with his lightsaber lit or something like that, and I didn't think I was going to like the the look of the lightsabers as much in this series because they're kind of thinner and more pointed and uh, i mean i really liked the look of the lightsabers that they had in clone wars um and so i was like eh, i'm not sure how i feel about the lightsabers in this show but i don't think that's going to really be the focus of it anyways but now that you see them in action in this clip um one thing that i thought was really cool is they pretty much replicated the exact effect and look of just sort of like the flickering uh that sort of flicker effect that the core of the lightsaber has in the original trilogy um, which of course was sort of generated by the, the props and stuff that they used to make them in the first place. And then the effects that they put on it, I'm not even exactly sure what they did with that. Um, but I mean, it's just, I don't know. It looks, it looks star Wars. That's the best way I can put it is that, uh, you know, it's an animated series that evokes the look of the classic star Wars trilogy so well. Like I thought it was really cool. And then of course, you know, the action and just the lightsaber choreography. And then you've got, the Inquisitor, like, force-pushing Kanan way down a hallway, and then Kanan grabs him and, like, lifts him up that flat against the ceiling so Ezra can get away from him. And it, this was just, again, just from this one-minute clip, I'm like, I cannot wait to see more of this scene and this whole episode. It's going to be pretty awesome. Yeah, I love that clip, man. <laughs> it was so cool. Like you, I wasn't too sure what to expect when it came to the lightsaber fights in Star Wars Rebels because we knew we were going to get some with the Inquisitor and Kanan, but wasn't too sure how it was going to be as far as the choreography. It was going to be like Clone Wars, something different. But from what I saw in that short clip, it looked to be right on par with some of the more recent lightsabers we saw with Clone Wars. So it looked really cool. And the Inquisitor, just I just loved his presence in that clip too, just showing how... He really doesn't see Kanan and Ezra as too much of a threat and is like so confident that he can overtake them, even though they are able to escape at the end. But it was just a really cool fight. And his lightsaber, I really liked it, especially when it was, it was at the very end and he starts it's doing that thing where it spins like real quick, almost General Grievous style. It just looked really cool. And I was actually talking about this with Mike and Matt over on the Rebels podcast. They weren't too keen on that idea of his lightsaber spinning like that. They kind of felt it was gimmicky, but... So I found it to be really cool, and just hearing the sound effects of the lightsaber spinning is something I can never get tired of. So I like that aspect of it. And then at the end too, it was funny where Ezra and Kanan were making their escape. Ezra was like, "Does your lightsaber do that?" He's all, "Just come on, let's go." <laughs> this is more funny dialogue between them. So yeah, just man, clips like that are just what makes the wait for October in the series to premiere a little bit longer because <laughs> there's tons of cool stuff to we're gonna see when this series does finally show up and premiere. Yeah, and I mean, as far as that spinning lightsaber, like, I can see how some people might think that's kind of gimmicky, and it does kind of seem like something that almost is made to to sell toys or something like that, but at the same time, I mean, at least for me, like, I thought it was cool just seeing it for the first time in that clip, like, 
you know, I, I was too impressed to be skeptical because I wasn't sure if it was yeah. going to do that or not. I mean, I think we had seen like the pictures from, uh, I think it was Toy Fair where we saw like pictures of that, like the toy version of that lightsaber. And I think it might have said on the box or something that it could spin. But I was like, oh, I don't know if that's just for the toy or if it actually does that in the show. Um, so when he pulled it out and started spinning it, I was like, whoa, that's cool. Um, but also, I mean, I think from, from a story standpoint, it does kind of make sense for him to have a a lightsaber that kind of can do some tricks or something, you know, that has, um, you know, this sort of added feature to it that can spin really fast because as far as we know, I mean, the, the Inquisitor isn't a Sith Lord. Um, you know, he has some, some force sensitivity and a lot of training obviously, but, um, you know, if he runs into, like, say the Inquisitor were to find Obi-Wan Kenobi, he would need a, a spinning double-bladed yeah. lightsaber to be able to hold his own in a fight because, you know, an experienced Jedi Master like that is going to be able to beat him easily in a one-on-one duel with a single blade. So That won't even um, be enough for him. He took on Grievous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah, it's like, uh, I think it sort of makes sense for him to try to be using some, some tricks and stuff like that to get an advantage on these Jedi opponents. Um, but also, I mean, this is also something where, yeah, it's a kid's show and obviously, um, they're trying to gear it towards the older fans as well. And, you know, sort of evoke that classic star Wars feel. And I mean, they're saying that they want this to be something that star Wars fans of all ages can enjoy. And I certainly hope that's what it is. You know, I'm looking forward to it, obviously. And I know there are a lot of older fans who are as well, but, at the same time, this is coming on Disney XD and is going to be marketed heavily towards you know, eight-year-old boys who are going to want to see guys with spinning double-bladed lightsabers and think it's the coolest thing on planet Earth. So, I mean, I don't really have a problem with it. Yeah, like I said, too, just from the audio standpoint, I could just put some headphones on and just hear that lightsaber spin on a loop <laughs> for a good period of time. It just sounds yeah. so awesome, man. <laughs> Yeah, in fact, it sounds a lot like um, how Palpatine's lightsaber sounded in the recent Clone Wars episodes. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, in his fight with Darth Maul and Savage, and then in that fight with Yoda that didn't really happen but was still cool um, in <laughs> Sacrifice. Yeah, maybe he uh, based his lightsaber off Palpatine's. I'm sure they had some meetings together. So. <laughs> yeah, that is very possible. Because, see, now I'm getting kind of confused between this and, uh, you know, we're just talking about episode seven and I was like, wait a minute, Palpatine wasn't around. And then I'm like, oh yes, he was. This is in between three and four. Palpatine's still alive. Um, it's all going to connect. Maybe he's going to be in episode seven or something like that. Series <laughs> that some way rebels is going to tie into episode seven. Maybe it's the inquisitor. Or maybe it's just his very well could be. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe that's the one we see floating in space. There you go. It's doing its spinning trick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, well, okay, so talking about Comic-Con, I mean, we had the panel, we have all these details come out. Oh, and, you know, just one other thing about the lightsaber duel, I think somebody in the panel, maybe, you know, Dave Filoni or Simon Kinberg said something like, um, just because of the time period that we're in, um, we're not going to see a lot of lightsaber duels on Star Wars Rebels, certainly not as many as we saw on Clone Wars, and that when we do see them, you know, it's going to be sort of more impactful to the story because, Obviously, this is a time period where the Jedi are in hiding, and so it's not like they're just getting their lightsabers out to fight, you know, every day or something. So 
Um, the lightsaber fights are going to be a little bit more uh, few and far between. But, I mean, I'm okay with that because, you know, like we said, uh, it seems like there's going to be a lot of focus on some of the other characters and a lot of other stuff going on and not as many Jedi and Sith and lightsaber duels and stuff like that. But I'm sure, I mean, just based on this one clip, it looks like the few that we do get to see are going to be really cool. Um, but I mean, we had the, the panel and all these cool clips and then this new trailer, which was great to get. Cause I wasn't even sure we were going to get like a full length trailer from this panel. Cause I was like, Oh, well we just got one like two days ago. But then here we go with a new trailer. Um, and I just realized I was going to jump to the next thing. We didn't even talk about the trailer yet. So let's talk about the Comic-Con trailer. Cause this was, I mean, this was the trailer that I'd been waiting for. Um, this was the one that finally got me like really excited for the series because, I mean, in some of the other ones, I mean, like I said, I, I was excited. It looked good, but I was like, I still want to see a little bit more. And after this trailer, this was finally the one where I was like, now I'm satisfied and I'm just going to sit back and wait for the show and I'm really excited for it. But this this was finally like the, the trailer that satisfied me and showed me everything that I wanted to see. Um, we got a lot more action but a little bit more sense of the story as well. And I think <laughs> I actually just went back and watched some of the, like a few of the trailers before we started recording. I think what I liked the most about this one is they didn't have the annoying narrator guy going like this fall heroes yeah, will unite and form a rebellion to overthrow the bad guys on <laughs> Disney XD in October. You know, it was just like, let the story tell itself and you know they just showed clips from the show and um but we got to see some unexpected new things like the fact that luminara and Dooley is still alive yeah um and that uh you know it seems like there'll be an episode involving them going to rescue her from a from an imperial prison now i don't know about you tim but i get the fact i i get the the um hunch i guess or just sort of get the impression that she might not last very long um because we all assumed she was dead already like nobody knew she was going to show up in this show but obviously she's not around in the original trilogy and we've also heard that uh i mean we heard this back a while ago but it was sort of in response to people worrying like oh is this show going to be too much for kids and you know is there going to be any like actual serious stuff going on and this was from like an interview or a panel that happened a while ago, but I think, didn't they say like the third or fourth episode of the show is going to be really dark. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking like, maybe they'll go to rescue Luminara and the Inquisitor is going to get there first and stab her in the back or something like that. So, um, you know, she could, I mean, maybe they'll bust her out and she'll end up being a, a recurring character on the show or something, or maybe they're just going to sort of use her, as um, sort of a plot device to establish the Inquisitor's ruthlessness. And I think that could be pretty cool to see too. Um, but either way, I mean, that was a pretty cool surprise um, that I think a lot of us didn't see coming. Yeah, it definitely took me by surprise. I, was, I wasn't expecting to see any Jedi from the Clone Wars really in the show this early on. I mean, we all speculated and kind of are hoping that Ahsoka is going to show up uh, in hopefully in the series throughout its run. But this early on in the trailer, see that Luminara is still alive. Like, oh man, <laughs> totally didn't see this coming. Especially because the last we saw her was in Revenge of the Sith on Kashyyyk. And we never saw what happened to her with Order 66. I know they're in like the comic version that would show that she gets blown up or shot at by some of the troopers in their vehicles. So, of course, that's this the comic adaption wasn't part of the actual canon of episode three. So it was kind of left in the open. So it's just cool that this early on, we're going to see a familiar face from the Clone Wars. And I just wonder too, like 
why is this from a story standpoint? I wonder why she's held prisoner and not just executed as you would think uh, Darth Vader and Emperor Palpatine would want. If there's a Jedi, they just exterminate them. Why is she being held prisoner? Maybe it's to kind of flesh out any other Jedi and Hindi, kind of lead them into a trap so they can dispatch or dispose of more as the just instead of just one kind of uses her that way to lure any other ones in there. So maybe that's going to be the plan and the point of the episode that you're mentioning. They find out, they discover that the Empire still has her. She's still alive, but it's all just a trap set by the Inquisitor to knock out or get rid of Kanan and Ezra. So more stuff to speculate on, but it's still fun nonetheless because, yeah, just all these different theories just pop into your head knowing that we're seeing these familiar characters that we might not necessarily were expecting to see this soon. So it was really cool. But another thing that got me pretty excited about this trailer was there's this quick, quick shot where we see Ezra what looks like he's uh, in disguise as a stormtrooper cadet or just in the Imperial Academy. And we kind of heard about this before his character was even officially announced. I think it was like when we're getting those Lego images and it was said that he was uh, part of the Imperial Academy, but then uh, defects him to join the rebels. But it turns out that's not really how his character is, but it looks like a part of that's going to be accurate because we do see him in the Imperial Stormtrooper cadet outfit. I just like the setting of it too. It kind of reminded me of the... uh, Domino Squad episodes from season mm-hmm. three, Clone Cadets, kind of look like that same training facility that they're that we're training in there. So, kind of got me hoping that oh, maybe the Empire still uses Camino to train their troops. That'd be cool, and maybe we see some actual clones be their instructors. I know that was part of the plan that George Lucas laid out when he kind of had everything, all his ideas for the time period that Rebels takes place in that. Clones might not necessarily be stormtroopers anymore, but some of them would still be part of the Empire where they're instructors and uh, like military lieutenants or like drill sergeants, stuff like that. So that'd be kind of cool to see if we see all these Imperial cadets and their instructor is a clone from the Clone Wars. That would be awesome. So that's yeah. kind of what I'm hoping for. That got me excited when I saw that part of the trailer. So Yeah, I would love to see that. And, you know, I thought about that too. I was like, oh, yeah, they, they did say that uh, some of the clones are going to be you know, trainers or drill sergeants or something like that. So yeah, in that episode where Ezra's a recruit to see him come face to face with like, I don't know, Commander Cody or somebody like that. That would be really cool. But then just, I mean, so much other cool stuff in this trailer. One other thing that we did see, um, his chopper fighting with R2D2 and C3PO. <laughs> um, so we know we'll see them in the show. Um, but I mean, just some of the shots of, like space battles with TIE fighters. And uh, there's, there's one really cool shot where this transport comes flying over and drops off a couple of walkers. And it's those new walkers called like, I think ATDPs or something like that. They kind of look like ATSTs, but with a little bit more like smooth rounded head and not like the eyes on the front. Um, But, and then there was a shot of like one of those walking forward, like firing some lasers and, um, I mean, just some really cool shots that, again, like I said about the lightsaber duel, it just looked like Star Wars. Um, yeah. And, you know, so now I'm like, OK, I kind of get a better feel for what some of the stories are going to be, for what the visuals are going to look like. And not just, you know, the character models or the settings, but sort of the some of the more cinematic shots and some of the action shots. And I mean, they had some really cool looking landscapes and planets and stuff in this trailer, too. Um, and, uh, and then of course, you know, some more humor and, uh, 
a little bit more of sort of that character interaction too. I mean, it seems like they're really focusing on making this a really tight knit group of characters and, um, you know, sort of developing all these characters individually, but also uh, developing a lot of interesting and dynamic relationships between them. So, and that should all be really great and exciting to see. Um, There's another shot in this trailer where, like Zeb and Ezra are hiding behind a rock or something, you know, from some stormtroopers. And uh, Zeb's like, "Come on, kid, do something. Use the force," and you know, <laughs> sort of gesturing like he's making fun of him or something. So I'm like, "That's going to be a lot of fun." It's almost like Zeb is going to be kind of like uh, Han and Chewie rolled into one. You know, he's like the the big yeah, muscle of the group, point. but he's also the one going like, "Hey, you know, the force. What is that?" You know. Hokey religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster at your side. And it sounds a lot better than uh, hearing Jar Jar say, oh, massy baked. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so much good stuff in that, too. Like you said, too. And if, I mean, I've gotten excited from pretty much the very first minute trailer we got, but I could understand where some of those didn't really feel it right away. Maybe we we're expecting more, but. This trailer definitely took care of that. It pretty much had everything you would look for in a new Star Wars TV series. So, yeah, I'm sure got everyone at the panel all pumped up for it. And then just fans who weren't able to attend. It's just cool that they're able to put it online not too long afterwards to get everyone excited for it. And I think it did that. Yeah. And I mean, I was telling you this, you know, before we recorded, I'm like, Star Wars spoils us at Comic-Con because... At the Star Wars Rebels panel, you know, I'm, I'm reading these tweets and I see, oh, new trailer, you know, that they're showing right here. And then a couple minutes later, I see a tweet from the official Star Wars Twitter page going like, hey, here's the new trailer we just showed at Comic-Con. I'm like, sweet. They're basically letting all their fans watch this at the same time. Like the Comic-Con people got to watch it first, but we get it like five minutes later and everybody gets to enjoy it and talk about it. And then, you know, later in the weekend, you hear stuff about Batman versus Superman and the Avengers Age of Ultron and the Hobbit and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, I wish they would release that footage five (laughs) minutes after it showed at Comic-Con, but no, we're probably like never going to get to see the, the stuff that they showed there until the actual movie comes out. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just great that, uh, that the Star Wars people are that, uh, sort of open with their fans and, you know, willing to, to share that stuff with everybody and want to get everyone involved. Um, and as far as, you know, sort of my excitement and anticipation and stuff, I mean, like I said, I was excited from the earlier trailers, but I think I was also spoiled from all the years of Clone Wars and every year around this time, either at, comic-con or celebration six or you know whatever we'd get like a big two or three minute long trailer showing a bunch of stuff from the upcoming season of clone wars and you'd get a lot of cool action shots but you'd also get sort of some glimpses of what some of the story arcs were going to be like and for the first two trailers of rebels i just didn't really get that feeling so maybe i was just spoiled by that but i was like yeah okay this looks cool but i i feel like i don't still really have a good picture of it or you know i still want to see more and then this trailer that they showed at comic-con i'm like yes this is the one that i've been waiting for this is the one i wanted to see and i'm happy now and uh you know got to see a lot of cool stuff and there was no annoying announcer voice over it and uh you know, yeah, now I'm just waiting till October. I I guess that was the one thing that I was sort of missing from the Comic-Con panel. I was kind of surprised they still didn't nail down a release date and tell us yeah. when the show is actually premiering. But I'm sure we'll get that soon enough. We do know it's in October. Um, and then the one other thing that we still haven't really gotten a whole lot of info on is 
when the the premiere episode is showing because we still know it's going to be an hour long premiere that we had first heard was going to be on Disney Channel, and I don't know if that's still the plan if it's going to be on Disney or if it's just going to start on Disney XD, and if it does air on Disney Channel or somewhere else before moving to Disney XD, like, is that going to be in October, or is it going to be any sooner? But, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Um, But, I mean, you know, so there was all this cool, exciting stuff with the panel going on, and then, about an hour later, they had a preview screening of the first... I don't know, was it the first two episodes or just the first episode? And it's just one hour long episode to kick off the show. Um, I don't know. You can answer that in a minute. But they had this in San Diego, like sort of as part of Comic-Con, but kind of off site as a separate event. Um, And I was the one doing all the, you know, following Twitter and posting all these tweets and updates and stuff from the panel because Tim was driving down from L.A. to go to this preview screening. Um, and got to be there for the first screening of Star Wars Rebels before, you know, a public audience. And it was a lot of media and stuff like that. But also, um, you know, they had some extra seats where people just got to go in. Um, so, Tim, I'll just let you uh, go ahead and take it away. And, you know, maybe we should do this a little bit like a Comic-Con panel. Like, I'm the moderator, yeah. and you're the guest <laughs> sitting up there on the panel. Um, so I'll just, you know, ask you some questions and let, let you talk about it. So what are your first impressions from seeing the premiere of Star Wars Rebels? Man, I think I tweeted this out after right after the screening ended. I just said, I'm one happy Star Wars fan right now. <laughs> that was, I think, the impression I had out right after. It, it blew me away, really, because kind of going into it, was I'm definitely excited about it, like we talked about, but that thing, feeling in the back of your head, knowing how awesome Clone Wars was, saying, is it going to live up to Clone Wars? Is it going to be as good as that? Which is kind of unfair, because... You know, it's a whole, totally different series. It's their first season with brand new characters. And yeah, we've got Dave Filoni in charge of it. So that leads you to believe it's going to be great. And But after seeing it, yeah, like I said, what was just a happy Star Wars fan afterwards. And just right away from the very first image that popped up when it started, I just had a smile on my face because just took it was Star Wars. Like you said in the trailers we were watching, it just felt like Star Wars. You got the awesome sound effects in there. You're hearing TIE Fighters, Star Destroyers, speeder bike sounds, and then you're hearing the music that's just straight out of A New Hope. I mean, I've said this before, and one of the minor complaints fans have, myself included with Clone Wars, is that we wish we heard more familiar Star Wars themes. Well, these first two episodes or the premiere episode took care of that right away. You hear tons of familiar themes that don't feel like they're just in there to please the fan. And Hey, do you remember this song? It just fit with what was going on on, in the screen. It just, everything blended together so nicely. Visually, the dialogue was great. It was fast paced. Like a new hope was the action scenes. It was um, because we know George Lucas faster, more intense. That's what Star Wars (laughs) Rebels felt like. It was faster and more intense almost as it went along. So I just everything melded together nicely to make a really good premiere. And just anyone who was kind of still on the fence about Rebels, I think once you see it, you're just going to realize that's going to be a great, fun Star Wars show to watch every week, hopefully for a good period of time. So just general impression, I was really pleased with it. And I think everyone in the theater was too. It, it was, they just did a great job with it. Awesome. Now, uh, you know, without getting into like too much specific spoiler type stuff here, um, sort of what was, I guess, what was sort of your general impression of the story? And maybe give us like a little summary of the the story of these episodes without, uh, you know, without spoiling it, obviously. 
Yeah, so the basic premises of it is that you kind of expect was that it's how Ezra comes together with the crew of the Ghost, and they end up uh, coming crossing paths uh, with the Imperials on Lothal, where they were trying to disrupt some of one of their, uh, I guess, operations in the city there, and kind of steal some of their supplies and weapons. But then they end up crossing paths with Ezra and Kanan, and there's pretty much like a three-way like chase sequence going on you got the imperials kanan and ezra they're all kind of after their, their own different goals and trying to make their own getaways there so but again ezra and kanan they end up uh meeting up together and then kind of forming a mutual like reason to stay together for a little bit because of the empire and then the basic plot of it is is that as we learned they're pretty much going against the empire trying to help those that they're oppressing and that they get some, they get word of an imperial uh, Wookiee slave transport that they want to help free because you know, this is an opportunity they won't get too often. They want to help whoever they can, and that uh, ends up not going quite well, and they end up on a star destroyer. But then, see, I don't want to get too many spoilers or stuff because there's a lot of great moments in there. I don't want to give away, but they are on the star destroyer. But then they finally get the correct information and where the Wookiee slaves are being transported and it ends up uh, being a planet that we not necessarily seen before, but one that will be familiar to Star Wars fans. And that's the part where we kind of see in the previous trailers with the stormtroopers and the Wookiees and Kanan and Ezra and the rest of the ghost crew trying to help them out there. And so as we're, the basic plot is them trying to save the Wookiees from the Empire and free them. But then there's the subplots of Ezra's four sensibilities and Kanan uh, recognizing that and kind of wanting to see if, if he would make maybe an apprentice one, help, help him out and to make him use these powers that he has in the right way, the Jedi way. So you got that kind of going on in the background. And just, like I said, the interaction between the characters was just great. It just all worked in the story that they were trying to tell. Like I said, it was really fast-paced. It kept moving quick, but at the same time, it did what it needed to, to do to establish these characters and what they're going to be facing against the Empire on a weekly basis so yeah that's pretty much the basic story of it and just at the end kind of really left you uh, can't worry you can't wait to see the next one yeah now um i guess what did you think about the like each individual character and sort of some of the relationships between them and do you have a favorite character so far yeah all the characters like i said work well i didn't have this feeling where oh i like this character but this one's not quite working for me all of them pretty much were great in the episode. Not all of them had like the most screen time. didn't do as much as others. Uh, Sabine being one of them, she didn't really have too much to do, but when she was in it, she had this real cool presence. I think she's going to be a cool character. So, but a character who stood out to me was one I really wasn't expecting. And that was Zeb. <laughs> I mean, he looked like a fun character, but I, it took me by surprise just how funny he was. He was the comic relief in the episodes that I saw, but it wasn't like, in your face humor or like the Jar Jar type humor it, when it was, when he was funny, it worked and you understand why it just, it just felt natural. The dialogue that he'd have was, uh, Ezra was some of the best out of the whole episodes. And there's one funny moment that I won't give away, but that's kind of harkens back to when Luke and Han were pretending that Chewie captured to bring him on the Death Star. There's just a funny <laughs> moment with that, that I think every Star Wars fan will get a kick out of. So, I mean, Zeb pretty much had it all. Cool action sequences. He was funny. He looked really cool. So I don't know if he'll like, be my favorite character for the whole series, but in just these premiere episodes, he was the one who stood out. But 
like I said, everyone was great. They all interacted together really good. They all had chemistry right away, even though it was being in the first uh, episodes where we get to meet him, it just everything clicked. So, which was a a great thing to start off on because that's. But as much as we love Clone Wars, I think it's pretty safe to say not everyone really took to Ahsoka right right away when they saw her. And I know there were some people who had that concern with Ezra and see if he was going to be like the next Ahsoka, where he's going to be start off like real annoying, but then he'll kind of gradually grow into a character that we like. But I kind of took to him as a character just right away. You kind of felt what he was going through throughout the story, his background, and just how he's going to evolve later on. Just how you you just understood from where he was coming from and why he did the things he did he did in the episode. So yeah, everyone worked really well, but Zeb stole the show. <laughs> I think it's pretty safe to say. Well, that's good to hear because you said that kind of took you by surprise and you weren't expecting to like him that much. But I've said before, just from the character reveal videos that we've gotten so far, Zeb, was probably my front runner to be my favorite. I don't know if I'd say he's my favorite yet just because, you know, I haven't seen any full episodes, but um, he's sort of the one that I'm looking forward to seeing the most. So to hear that he was your favorite, that's good because I'm like, well, I was already expecting to like him, so he'll probably be my favorite too. But, um, yeah, I mean, I know you really liked it, but, uh, I mean, I'm assuming it got probably a good reaction from the crowd, right? Because I've heard nothing but positive reaction from you know, other people who were there too. Yeah, I mean... We got cheers at the end of it. I mean, right after it ended, you heard someone yell out, show it again. <laughs> <laughs> got more applause. So I think overall, so it was received really well. I mean, I got to meet or talk to a few people there. Uh, a friend of mine I talked to on Twitter, uh, Justin Bolger, who actually writes for the Force Net and does some podcasting. I ran into him there. He was just blown away by it. He was at the panel. He was attending Comic-Con. He kind of had a good idea of some new rebel stuff already to see in those new clips. But when I talked to him, he was like, this, wow, I, like I was expecting to like the show. But I think I was going to like this, this much. I'm just, wow. I can't even like, gather my thoughts right now. I'm just so blown away. <laughs> so that was kind of the vibe going around afterwards. And I tend to agree with it, but if I had to have one nitpick though, this is not even really a nitpick. This is just coming from someone who's an, an Imperial fanboy, always has been as a kid, just like the look of the empire and stormtroopers. But the stormtroopers are really going to do squat in this episode and just be the like, like the cannon fodder where they're just there to be disposed of. And it lives up true to what they were in the original trilogy where they can't shoot anything to save their lives. So I mean, just as an Imperial fan, it's like eh, kind of hard to see that being uh, knowing that the stormtroopers are always some of my favorites, just the Empire in general. So, But it's kind of to be expected because you know they're not going to shoot any of the main characters in the series. So it's kind of understandable. At the same time, it's like, uh, I want the Empire to show that, or at least Stormtroopers, because I shouldn't say the Empire, because Agent Callus was pretty, this pretty cool character to show that uh, he can probably hold on to his own in a fight. But yeah, just the Stormtroopers were there to get shot at and miss <laughs> with their <laughs> blaster fire. So that's more of like a nerdy nitpick, but just something I couldn't help but think of when I was watching the episode. So I'm hoping as the series goes on, maybe they'll get be able to have like a bigger battle, kind of something like Clone Wars, where maybe the crew of the Ghost will team up with some other like faction or army where there could be kind of casualties on both sides, not just the Stormtrooper missing every time with the Rebel heroes. So that's something maybe we'll see eventually down the line. But for these early episodes when it's just the crew of the Ghost, the Ghost, it's kind of to be expected where Stormtroopers aren't really going to be much of a threat to them. 
Yeah. And again, yeah, like you said, I think that's something that a lot of people are probably expecting or that won't really be that big of a surprise. Now, you mentioned Agent Callus being able to hold his own in a fight, and that was something cool that we saw in the trailer, too. Yeah. Um, you see him and Zeb fighting each other, and they both have similar sort of, like, pike staff kind of weapons that are, you know, kind of have, like, crackling energy on the ends. Kind of like a Magna Guard staff, but, uh, you know, a different design, but it's got that same kind of energy on the end. Um, but Callus's has, like, yellow energy on the end, and Zeb's is purple, and they're fighting each other with these similar kind of weapons. So that looks like it'll be a really cool fight as well. Um, And that's something I'm definitely looking forward to seeing. But um, yeah, I mean, just great to know that, uh, that it got such a good reaction, not just from you, but from everyone there. And I mean, like you said, there were, I think when Clone Wars first started, the reaction was a little bit more mixed. Um, And then, you know, as the seasons went on, a lot more people started to realize, man, this is a really good show. But part of it is, you know, because the show did improve over the years and especially you know like you were talking about with ahsoka's character development how she was kind of annoying and bratty at the beginning and then by the end of it um you know was this really interesting and mature young jedi that we all were sad to see her leave at the end but um i mean just from reports i've heard from other people too um people are saying they really liked the show that they were really just you know blown away by it that it really had that classic star wars feel to it and i've heard some people specifically mention with ezra like they didn't expect to like him they thought he was going to be kind of annoying but they sort of took to his character more than they thought they would so it doesn't seem like he's just going to be ahsoka all over again and that was sort of my thinking i mean i didn't necessarily think he was going to be super annoying like again i was you know waiting to see the first episode before i formed my own opinions on it but and just from the stuff that we had seen so far i wasn't super excited about his character but i was like hey what's the worst that could happen he could start out kind of annoying and that's what happened with ahsoka and i ended up really liking her so i'll give ezra a chance because even if he's annoying in the beginning he could end up likable by the end but it seems like he's going to be a pretty good character right off the bat and um, like you were saying, it just sounds like, you know, there's great chemistry between the characters. There's great action that the the sound effects and the music and everything are great. Um, I mean, how, how did it look visually in terms of, um, I guess, sort of the, the technical aspects and sort of where it is compared to some of the later seasons of Clone Wars? Yeah, visually overall, it looked really great. I mean, it was just awesome to see it on the big screen. <laughs> it, was, it just really jumped out at you. But I will say it's not quite on par to what we're used to in the later seasons of the Clone Wars. And that's kind of understandable. We kind of do that going in. I mean, it's not going to have the same budget that Lucas gave in the Clone Wars. I mean, you don't see anything like that as far as animation-wise on TV. So it was understandable. But overall, it held its own really good. I mean, it, it did look like it had the Clone Wars feel, but then it didn't. Kind of what we talked about before, what it looks like it and it doesn't. But it just feels like it's ripped straight from the OT in animation form. I mean, like I said, the, all the Imperial stuff looked awesome. Stormtroopers, Star Destroyers, TIE Fighters, TIE Fighter Pilots. They all just look really great seeing them in animation form. So all that worked really well. The only thing that kind of took me out of it a little bit as far as the animation goes was when we saw the Wookiees. Because we saw how cool they can look on the Clone Wars and the Season 3 episodes with Chewie. And they just didn't quite look as detailed as that. And it doesn't ruin it by any means, but it's just something that's noticeable where it just doesn't look quite as good as we're used to seeing them before on the Clone Wars. That would probably be the only uh, nitpick I would have about the animation, which is how the Wookiees were. Probably just because we've seen them before animated and they look so great. And just a little disappointing, I guess, for it to not to be on that level, but... Overall, yeah, animation-wise, I don't think you're going to have too many complaints about it. 
I mean, you just got to know not to expect the Clone Wars uh, quality of animation right away, but it's definitely great in its own right. Yeah, and I mean, you said it wasn't as good as some of the later seasons, but I'm assuming it's you know better than like season one or two of Clone Wars. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just you just can't help but be in awe when you see those familiar uh, spaceships and environments. They just look awesome. <laughs> I mean, I right. just can't help tell you how much that made me feel like, man, just geek out when I saw them. I just had a big smile on my face when I heard the TIE fighter sound, just seeing it zip by um, out on Lothal or out in space when they're chasing the ghost. It just, uh, <laughs> just taking you back to the original trilogy again. It just, it's, it's good to be in that time period because it's been a while. And I will even say that the Clone Wars era is probably my favorite era in Star Wars. But at the same time, growing up on the original trilogy as a little kid, it just felt good to go back to that time period again because it has been a while. And then yeah, to expect more of that down the line is just going to be exciting. So, <laughs> yeah, I just can't wait to see more. Yeah, and, you know, I'm the same way. Like, I love Clone Wars, and that's my probably my favorite era of Star Wars as well because, I mean, I grew up watching the original trilogy as a little kid, but um, the the prequels started coming out. Well, I guess Phantom Menace came out when I was, like, eight, but, um, you know, when Episode 2 and Episode 3 came out, you know, I was in my, like, preteen, early teen years, and that's when I really started becoming, like, a hardcore Star Wars fan and getting into the EU and stuff like that. And, of course, because it was in between Episodes 2 and 3, some of the first Star Wars novels that I read were Clone Wars novels, and, uh, you know, so I just thought it was really cool that there were, like, these more stories taking place in between the movies and sort of, uh, you know, adding more to that universe and fleshing the characters out more. And, uh, you know, I love the Clone Wars micro series and then the new series started and I love that. So that's probably my favorite era of Clone War- or of Star Wars. But then, I mean, like you said, there's just that magic of the original trilogy. Like yeah. you might get more excited about other stuff like Clone Wars because it's kind of more new and there's more stuff they can dig into and there's a lot more going on. But then every time they revisit the original trilogy, it's just like, man, it's cool to see a Stormtrooper or a TIE Fighter or an X-Wing again because, like, that's where it all started and that's what I grew up with. And so, I mean, even just watching the trailer and seeing some of these shots of TIE Fighters or, like I said, even the Walkers, like, you know, it's these new ones that we haven't seen before, but it sort of evokes that same feeling that you see when you see an AT-AT coming towards you or something like that. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm just really excited to to – kind of see, I, I guess, how they can surprise me by going back to that time period. Because even though it might not be the thing that gets me the most excited, like Clone Wars or Knights of the Old Republic, which is probably my second favorite time period in Star Wars. But, um, you know, it's just always good to go back to that original trilogy and uh, just sort of be reminded of how much you love those original stories again. Yeah, but, they capture uh, it so well, too, because you're not even thinking, though, this is like Star Wars and animation or an animated form. You're just thinking you're watching new Star Wars when you see those classic stuff again. So they did their animation team. Everyone did a phenomenal job just bringing that back to life again. Well, that is good to hear. And uh, you are one lucky nerf herder for being able yeah. to go there and watch it in person. I'm sure a lot of us are jealous and mad at you right now, but at the same time, uh, you know, happy that you got to be there and happy that you could come back and tell us all about it. So we just know, um, sort of a little bit more what to expect and, uh, you know, just, it, it's great to get some, some direct feedback, I guess, from people who've been able to see it and just get us more excited for being able to see it when it premieres in the fall. So, um, you know, glad you're able to give us the firsthand report and I am just, uh, excited for when me and the rest of us get to watch this for ourselves. But, oh, yeah. uh, oh, what? No, I was just going to say, yeah, it was just such a a cool experience to be able to go to that and 
see the first few episodes of something Star Wars new that <laughs> not too many people have seen before. So it's just such a great experience. I got to, I was the row right behind Dave Filoni and Simon Kinberg. So I was kind of like eyeing them and seeing their reaction. <laughs> I was watching the screen, see what they were doing. So just a great environment and atmosphere to see the theater man with other Star Wars fans too. So just a cool experience. And yeah, thanks to Lucasfilm for sending uh Mike over at the Rebels podcast and Frontlines the invitation and for allowing me to go. It's, something i'll definitely remember as a star wars fan it was just really cool yeah and you know what i i sort of have a uh a theory slash pipe dream that probably won't happen but i'm hoping might happen and that is you know maybe the reason that we still haven't heard a, a release date lockdown for rebels yet and we still haven't heard any more detailed plans about the premiere like is it gonna still air on disney channel as an hour-long special is it just gonna air on disney xd when does it start all this kind of stuff i'm like well maybe they're trying to work out some kind of theatrical screening for it um, because that does seem to be something that's becoming like more and more popular these days. Obviously, we had the the Clone Wars theatrical screening for the Night Sisters trilogy in season three, um, but there have been other shows doing it recently. Like Doctor Who just did a big theatrical screening for their 50th anniversary special last year, and now they're doing another one this year for the premiere of season eight. And I'm bummed because I want to go to that one, and I think I have to work that night, so probably won't be able to. But um, I'm like with, uh, you know, with more and more shows doing this these days, maybe they're going to try to do that with rebels. Cause that would be so cool for the rest of us to be able yeah. to watch it. And I mean, regardless of whether it's a movie or an animated series or something, just seeing star Wars on the big screen is always awesome. But I mean, just the way you're talking about this, how it evokes the classic trilogy and everything. I'm like, yeah, I want to see some more tie fighters on the big screen. Heck yeah. So, I mean, again, it's probably just wishful thinking on my part, but maybe we'll get to see it happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, that would be awesome if it did, but if not, then Tim and the other couple hundred people in that theater will just be the ones that get to have that special memory and the rest of us will get to watch it on our HDTVs. But either way, super excited for Star Wars Rebels. Yeah. And again, I don't want to like build it up too much for people to set their expectations really high when it comes out and then maybe not be a little disappointed when they see it. But I think most fans of Star Wars and Clone Wars and all that stuff, they're going to be pleased with it once they see it. It just did a great job of invoking Star Wars that we love and at the same time introducing us to some cool new characters and balancing out with the familiar stuff like the stormtroopers and tie fighters and all like familiar ships and stuff so yeah i think everyone's going to enjoy it when that when it comes out yeah i am certainly hoping so and that's what it's sounding like so far but uh moving on from rebels we did actually get a couple other star wars related things um out of comic-con the first of which um, and this was something that we were also looking forward to um as far as comic books are concerned um it's funny because you know, it's called Comic-Con, but comics are not the main focus of it these days. It's yeah. all the big movie panels and stuff. But we got some new Star Wars comics news about uh, some of the new titles that Marvel is going to be releasing next year when they start, uh, you know, publishing Star Wars comics with their new license. Um, and, you know, they're, it seems like they're kind of playing it safe for now. They've got three new Star Wars titles that they're releasing next year. Um, one is just called Star Wars, and this is a series that focuses on Han and Luke and Leia and takes place right after, I think like two weeks after A New Hope. 
Um, so it's just going to explore the time period in between episodes four and five, you know, following the same familiar characters that we know. Um, and then uh, there'll be a Star a series called Star Wars Darth Vader that's going to be set basically in the exact same time period. And they said it's that these two series are kind of going to be two sides of the same coin where this Darth Vader series is obviously following Darth Vader during that same time period. Um, and uh, something that was interesting is they're talking about how he has to sort of build his reputation back up and uh, they sort of compared it to like how in A New Hope he's being mocked by Admiral Mahdi and everybody's like, oh yeah, Darth Vader, that guy who still follows his old sorcerer's ways and stuff. And then in Empire Strikes Back, he's the feared guy who's choking everybody out and uh, all that kind of stuff. So um, kind of exploring more of his character development and uh, in between episodes four and five, trying to sort of build his reputation back up and making amends for losing to de- losing the Death Star and losing to the Rebels and stuff and sort of um, trying to regain the uh, the confidence of the Empire. Um, and then the third series is called Star Wars Princess Leia, and this is going to be a shorter miniseries. I think this one's just going to be five issues. The other ones are going to be going on sort of indefinitely, I guess. But uh, I think the Leia one also takes place in between episodes four and five, but it's just going to be this shorter mini-series that focuses just on Princess Leia. Um, and I know, well, let's see, Tim, what did you uh, what did you think about these right off the bat? I mean, any sort of general thoughts about the, the, the direction that they're going in with the comics, and did any of these in particular jump out to you? Well, the one that jumped out to me was definitely Darth Vader. I mean, any chance we get to see some new stories with Darth Vader, this is probably going to be the one I'm most excited about. And the fact now that we know this isn't canon is just adds more to it too, so that we know this is actually what happened between Empire, I mean, between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. And like you said, I'm intrigued with the idea of Vader kind of uh, getting more recognition or authority in the Empire now that Tarkin's gone and just becoming the ruthless Sith Lord in the Empire that he'd be, he's known for by the time we get to the Empire Strikes Back. So that should be cool to see. But um, I know there's been some uh, feedback online as far as not too many fans are excited about this because it's in an era that we've seen tons and tons of stories on before already, especially in particular comics. So I kind of get that. I wasn't like over the moon or super excited about the new Star Wars title. I mean, it's probably going to be cool. Um, it's going to be written by Jason Aaron, who's done a lot of cool stuff with the X-Men books recently. And he even mentioned how this is kind of be like a team book where it's going to focus on the core characters that we know, Han, Luke, Leia, Chewie, C-3PO, and R2. So should be pretty cool to see that, and then how you said it connects with the Darth Vader comic. You're kind of seeing the, like the Rebel side and the Imperial side with Darth Vader. But the Princess Leia one, I mean, it should be cool because uh, Mark Wade, the great comic book writer, he's written some great stuff like Kingdom Come and then a cool Superman story, Superman Birthright. So that's kind of the part that has me most excited for it. But as far as it being about Princess Leia, it kind of just got me thinking this because we're already getting another book where she's going to be a central character in the Star Wars title. So I'm wondering why they needed uh, two books that are going to have characters from the same like title. I mean, even if it was Han or Luke, it kind of got me thinking, maybe they should kind of focus on something different since they're going to have their own core title called Star Wars. So maybe it should have been focused on another character. But it sounds kind of interesting where she's basically trying to serve as princess of Alderaan. And even though it's been destroyed, she feels like she still has a duty. And if there's any survivors out there who were, who were off world when the planet blew up, she's still got to serve as their leader and she'll encounter different like uh, resistance or like uh, supportive stuff for her because there could be some people from Alderaan who would think the, she didn't do enough or her family didn't do enough to save it and that type of stuff. So 
some interesting stuff there. But the Darth Vader one was the one I really got me excited about, and just pretty much the one I really can't wait for. And I'll definitely check out the other two, but the one I'm super excited for is Darth Vader because it's just going to be great. It's getting new stories with Vader that we know is in canon, and this sounds pretty interesting. So that's the one I'll go with for right now, as far as being the most excited with. Yeah, and you know, if I had to pick one, I'd probably say the same thing. Um, but I mean, at the same time, I guess I'm kind of excited for the the general, you know, just the, the Star Wars one too, because um, I mean, seeing more stories with Luke and Han and Chewie and Leia and all those guys that'll be fun too. But at the same time, I mean, none of these really jumped out and grabbed my attention all that much. Um, like I said, it seems like they're kind of playing it safe for now. They're sort of playing in the same time period as the the original trilogy, and I mean, I'm I'm more looking forward to like seeing what Marvel does with the uh, sort of some of the areas, I guess, that were touched on in the previous expanded universe. Like I want to see them go back to, you know, the Knights of the Old Republic era or, you know, in between, at least, you know, maybe in between episodes three and four or maybe some Clone Wars stories that we haven't seen yet. Or, um, you know, I was just sort of hoping for maybe like a more, uh, a more wide variety of time periods here rather than like three new comics that are all set in the same time period. So, um, I mean, I might read these, We'll see. I'm not, like, super disappointed or anything, but at the same time, none of these really jumped out and were like, oh, man, I've got to read that. Especially because these are coming out in 2015, and at Comic-Con it was announced that there's something else coming out in 2015 that I'm far more interested in, and that is uh, that there's going to be a new novel written by Christy Golden that focuses on Asajj Ventress and Quinlan Voss in another unfinished story arc from the Clone Wars series um, that, you know, we didn't get to see on TV. So, um, I mean, I was hugely excited and surprised to to hear this announcement from the Del Rey Star Wars books panel. They spent a lot of time talking about A New Dawn, the the book that ties into Rebels. Um, And I'm excited for that one too. That comes out in just about a month. So I'm definitely planning to read that book. But this one immediately shot to the top of my most anticipated Star Wars books list. Because when Dave Filoni released that concept art on Facebook from, you know, some of the unfinished Clone Wars arcs, this was the one that jumped out to me the most was, um, I mean, there was some concept art that looked like it was from one of the Darth Maul story arcs, but it had, you know, Dooku and Palpatine and Darth Maul and a bunch of Jedi. And then at the bottom, it had what looked like Darth Maul fighting Quinlan Voss. And then in another, um, another shot, it, or another piece of concept art, it showed like Quinlan Voss holding what I'm pretty sure was Ventress's body. So, um, I thought those were all going to be part of the same story arc, and I was hoping that was all going to be in the Maul Son of Dathomir comics. Um, and now that we're down to the last issue of that comic, I'm like, well, Ventress and Quinlan Boss haven't shown up yet, so I'm guessing they're not going to at this point. But now knowing that uh, – well, they announced at the panel like this was uh, going to be a separate story arc planned for Season 7, so it wasn't going to be part of the Season 6 Darth Maul arc. But now knowing that we're going to get that story in its own book – um, has me super excited, especially because they can get longer and more in depth with a novel. Like if my, if I had one complaint with the Darth Maul son of Dathomir comics, it's been that you can tell that they sort of trimmed some stuff down a little bit to fit it into a comic. And I don't know, Tim, you read more comic books than I do, but is there sort of like a standard limit or anything for, for pages or length? Because I've noticed all these comics are 25 pages and I'm like, 
you couldn't have made it like 27 or 28 and just included a little bit more of that battle scene in there because I know if this was an episode that I was watching on TV, that would have been like a five-minute lightsaber duel right there that would have been so cool to see and it just took up like one page of this comic because you had to fit all the story stuff in here. Yeah, I mean, it kind of depends on the publisher. Some can just be 22 pages or like this one, like 25 pages i believe it is and then some could be giant size so it would have been nice if maybe they gave it a little extra for the, the star small comics that were uh planned stories for the uh the clone wars episodes but unfortunately it, it's not uh anything that's too different than other comics when i read it it's pretty much paced like other comic book stories that i read so but i do get the feeling that you, know, you were talking about where you know it would be longer if these were episodes where we longer battle, battle sequences or lightsaber fights but as far as a comic it kind of plays out how most would i would think so not nothing too different unless they were going to make it a giant size like double issue or something which would have been really cool <laughs> yeah yeah for sure but i mean regardless they they can obviously fit a lot more into a 400 page book yeah. than they can <laughs> into a series of 25 page comics so i am really excited for this uh for this novel to come out yeah, same here. Just the fact that we're getting another unfinished Clone Wars arc that uh, we weren't get to see as episodes, but we're going to get on as a novel now. And yeah, just really cool. And then Dave even said at the panel that um, they're still he's still trying to find ways to get these like untold stories told in some form or another. So maybe the ones that um, like that didn't focus on central characters like Ahsoka or Rex or something they'll do in novels and comic books. And I, what I'm kind of hoping for, maybe for those two central characters, Ahsoka and Rex, he's saving for Rebels or maybe some other animated special or movies or something like that, which would be really cool. I'm just hoping he's saving those two for something that's either going to be on Rebels or another animated movie or something visual instead of just reading about it is what I'm hoping for, for Ahsoka and Rex. So just I'm just glad we're getting more Clone Wars stories. And we should probably find out if this is going to be the end for Ventress or if it'll end with kind of an open-ending ending where we may see her in, in the future or somewhat. But I don't know. It's going to be definitely fun to read and can't wait for it. Like you said, it's going to be great not to have it just be like four issues but a whole novel about 400 pages or so. So, yeah, I can't wait for it either. And it looks like she's going to go a different route as far as visually because looking at that image, she has some hair <laughs> on mm -hmm. her right now, kind of like that flashback sequence we got in the Night Sisters arc. So who knows where what point she is during this arc. I mean, yeah, I just can't wait to see. Maybe Ahsoka will even be in this or be mentioned since they teamed up in the last season five arc. So who oh, knows? That's just true. More stuff to get excited for and <laughs> just to speculate until we get our hands on it. Yeah, and it also looks like she's got one of those bows across her back that the – Night Sister yeah. Hunters used. So and it's uh, not a red lightsaber she has either. Doesn't look like. It kind of looks more of a greenish color. I think it's red. I can't tell. It's I mean, I'm looking yellow, at the. If anything, but we know there's no yellow lightsabers out there. Yeah, well, it's kind of hard to tell what color it is, but there's like a, a reddish orange moon behind her in the background. So I'm thinking, if anything, yeah. it's a red lightsaber and it's just blending in with that background. Um, but then, of course, you've got the green lightsaber of Quinlan Voss in the foreground, and you just sort of see, like, his hip in his hand uh, holding the lightsaber. So it looks like there will definitely be some sort of confrontation between those two. But we really don't know anything about the story at that po at this point, aside from, you know, a, a very brief description of the the story arc and this image from the book that they released, and then a couple of those concept art images that Dave Filoni released. 
But I mean, regardless, I mean, we don't know what the story is going to be, but just knowing that there's going to be a story arc involving these two. And then also, I think part of it, too, is from sort of the EU backstory, like in those concept art images that Dave Filoni released, Quinlan Voss had a red lightsaber and looked like he was, you know, maybe working for Dooku or something. And of course, that's something that came from a long storyline in the Dark Horse, uh, Clone Wars comics from back in like 2002 or whatever. So um, you know, I was excited to see if they were going to bring some of those elements back into it. So I'm just really excited that we're going to get to actually, you know, see this, uh, this story play out sooner than later. So like I said, this immediately shot up to the top of my, uh, must read list for star Wars books. It comes out about a year from now in summer 2015. Yeah. The perfect, uh, way to pass the time as we're waiting for episode seven during the summer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because we won't have Rebels more than likely airing in the summer, and we'll just be anticipating Episode 7 for the, the winter. So, yeah, this will be the perfect thing to pass the time. Yeah, but then again, I mean, we'll probably be re-watching Rebels episodes. That's true. <laughs> and Clone Wars, and all the other six movies leading up to Episode 7. <laughs> well, yeah. Of course. Yeah, but... Uh... Yeah, I mean, that was pretty much, I think, all the big Star Wars news that came out of Comic-Con, but, I mean, it just felt like a ton of stuff, especially, it was just over, like, the first couple of days, um, yeah. so I think Thursday was the Rebels panel, and then, of course, the preview screening, and then Friday, they had the um, the Del Rey Star Wars novels panel, and then this uh, Marvel Comics panel, where they talked about the Star Wars stuff, that was either Friday or Saturday, I don't remember, but... Um, yeah, a lot of Star Wars goodness in a short amount of time, and uh, I mean, between the Rebels preview clips and the trailer and the comic stuff and the new Clone Wars novel, um, I was like, yeah, awesome. We got tons of Star Wars stuff, even more than I was expecting, because like I said, I wasn't expecting two uh, Rebels trailers in the same week. But, uh, I mean, seeing both of those and just how impressive they were, then plus the preview clips and then all the good stuff I heard about the, the two episodes and everything, I was like, man, I'm just really excited for all this stuff right now. Yeah, really. I mean, it was a great week for Star Wars. And even though it was less uh, on the Episode 7 front <laughs> this past week, a lot of it was Rebels and just stuff we could look forward to and for novels and comics. So, yeah, for Star Wars fans, a lot to be excited about and I put it out on Facebook, too, to see if any of our listeners, what they thought of all the news we got this past week. And we got a comment from Brian Klein, who says that the Asajj Ventress uh, Quillen Voss novel was a surprise, but a welcome one that I'm really getting amped up for. And also for Rebels. And he said, more so than I thought I would be for Rebels. I splurged a bit and read the Rebels visual guide already, but the San Diego Comic-Con trailer really has my anticipation in high gear now. I'm personally surprised at how little I feel about the Marvel Comics announcement. Probably it's because that era, or the area slash era of the three announced series will be, is so oversaturated. Plus, we just had a successful Star Wars Dark Horse line set right in that era. Marvel needs a home run right away, or at least a stand-up triple, in my humble opinion. But Rebels, yeah, definitely stoked for that. Keep up the great work and may the force be with you. So, yeah. Pretty much in agreement with, with what you said there, Brian. It's hard not to be excited for Rebels from what we saw. And then, as we just talked about, the Assad Adventures Quillen Boss novels was a welcome surprise that we're almost just as excited for, too. So, so much good stuff to look forward to in the Star Wars front. Not even not to mention Episode 7 and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's just awesome time for Star Wars right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that's just going to wrap it up. Just about going to wrap it up for us on uh, this episode. Um and, you know, hopefully next time we'll have still have a ton more exciting stuff to talk about. I mean, this really hasn't slowed down recently. 
Um, cause you know, like you said, this was a lot of rebels and, uh, comics and novel stuff to talk about from Comic-Con, but we still had, you know, a lot of episode seven rumors at the beginning and the new X-Wing and all that kind of stuff. So, um, and you know, even in the weeks previous to that, we've had tons of episode seven rumors and all this other kind of stuff going on. So yeah, it's uh, a really exciting time to be a Star Wars fan. There's lots of stuff going on, lots to talk about. And, uh, who knows in the next couple of weeks when we record again, we could have, some more official episode seven news we could have a new rebels preview clip or whatever there's just lots of stuff going on and uh the news and rumor mill just won't stop but uh, that's okay because we don't want it to yeah keep it coming <laughs> yeah definitely but uh, thank you guys for tuning in you guys can get in touch with us on facebook and twitter facebook.com slash star wars the saga continues and you can follow us on twitter at star wars tsc you can also check out our website star wars tsc.com for all the latest updates and rumors and all that good stuff um and if you guys want to send us email and give us you know feedback questions comments anything like that uh you want to have your comments and thoughts read on the show uh, you can send us email at starwarstsc at gmail.com um and that's gonna do it for us for this week for our giant comic-con rebels episode um Again, thanks to uh, Mike over at Frontlines for sending Tim the invite to the Rebels uh, screening and, um, you know, getting us the inside scoop over there. Um, Thank you guys for tuning in, and we will see you next time, and may the Force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Uh